Hello and welcome to episode 77 of In PS We Trust, a PlayStation podcast. My name's Davey and joined with me, as always, is the fine wine himself, Mr. Philip Hoy. Happy Monday, lads. Happy Monday, baby. And the Dr. Pepper himself, the Dr. Pepper drinking, panty dropping, sexiest Zangief looking ass bitch on the internet, Spencer Davis. How the hell are you, mate? I'm awful, mate. I've had a horrible week, but he's better now. And thank you for all those little compliments, mate. Oh, I like that. I like that little <laughs> intro. I do appreciate those. Thank you. Thanks, mate. mate. Thanks. I thought I'd put a bit of effort into this one. And speaking of effort, listeners, you are along with us along this blistering, blistering desert night as we stroll through the dark recesses in the underbelly of the PlayStation Nation to bring you the jewels in the desert. The Arabian night will descend with news that I shall bring to your ears. And we have got a stack to go through today, guys. We got the normal run of the show in terms of a question that you guys shall pose to us. Then we shall move it into what we've been playing. Then onto the quick news where we bring two topics each to discuss. And then we've got a rumor and a topic. Jesus Christ. And all this content for free. What more can you possibly want, audience? Now, guys. We are recording on a Monday, so I want to first off just apologise to the audience, this episode has gone up a day late. We had kind of a few issues over the weekend. For starters, we had a COD beta, always going to throw uh, our recording schedule into question, but we also just had a few different issues. I mean, Spence, you've had a couple of illnesses going on, you've been pretty much at death's door, haven't you? Right, yeah, like I said at the start, it's been a bad week, horrible week, been to the doctors, back and forth, blood test today, bloody bad go of it. but. Feeling better now, a bit tired, but high energy, high energy, boys. Come on. Keep it going, mate. Just keep it alive. In fact, you've become a little bit of like the sickly person on the podcast. You, I think you're ill more than any of us, more than me and Phil anyway, especially. I'm ill more than most humans, I think, unless, you know, they actually have an illness. For someone who doesn't have an illness, I'm ill a lot, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just weak immune system, I guess, man. And it's always my tummy or my... Where it comes out. Ah, well, yeah. <laughs> enough said about that, the better. Guys, we always start the show off with a question. Whose turn is it today? Well, I think it's my turn this episode. And I've got a question for you guys. I had this prepped for months, weeks. No, actually, I just looked it up quickly before the show. It was one of the first... Uh, results on google when i googled hypothetical questions so i'm going to ask you now if you were to go back in time and visit a 16 year old self and give them some advice what advice would you give them so it's you now going back in time visiting yourself as a 16 year old that that age is really important and i'm going to ask you what advice would you give yourself at the age of 16 to progress further in life there's one slight caveat to this. And Spencer, before you go into, oh, I'm going to give him the lottery numbers. No, cutting that straight out. No lottery numbers and nothing that's going to allow you to make crazy amounts of money. So you're not just suddenly going to buy Google or invent Twitter or something like that. No, sir. Okay, so that's gone straight away. You're not having that. I just want some genuine life advice that you would give yourself at 16. We're going to have listeners and viewers at all age ranges. And maybe there are some 16 year olds out there that are watching us and subscribing right now. Down there. Yep. Subscribe. And now you can take this advice from us because we've lived it. We've lived a life. Well, we've lived three lives. Two and a half. Two and a half. 
So we're here to give you some advice when you're a 16 year old growing up. Here we go. Coming over to Spencer. Let's go first because you've got the shortest age gap because you are the youngest on the show. Sure, mate. Sure. So all I would say, <laughs> and immediately, I can't believe you said that, man. I was going to say Saturday, the 2nd of September, 2023, 9, 11, 46, 49, 53, 55. <laughs> I immediately pulled up all the like recent lottery winnings, but fair enough. Fair enough. What I would say is I regret how late I got into PlayStation. So I think I would tell my younger self, don't get into Super Smash Brothers. What are you doing? Actually, no, he needs to for this to all happen, I suppose. It's like stepping on, it's like killing a butterfly or whatever. This was, um, the, ca- this was the catalyst, wasn't it? That's how we all kind of know each other is Smash Brothers. Because that's kind of why me and Davey know each other as well. Because Brawl kind of brought us together. I know we went on holiday together when we were in rival bands around Caldicott. So we kind of knew of each other. But it wasn't the, the loving relationship that we have now. So Smash Bros. brought you two together as well, and thus brought us together, Spence. So we've got yeah. a lot to thank uh, Super Smash Bros. for. So don't get rid of that one. Yeah, it did get me a lot of money as well. Um, but, well, I say a lot. Not much. Yeah, then but, you got a job and realised how much money you Yeah, then I got a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Living off like, like I was four making weeks pennies. on 50 quid. <laughs> somehow yeah. <laughs> i was doing it mate 30 quid a week i was making jeez and 120 once a month but yeah i'd probably advise my younger self get get into gaming get into playstation play some single player experiences because i never really did when i was young get in, get on the trophies mate you're gonna love it one day get on the trophies stick with cod because you're gonna be cracked when you're older maybe enter some tournaments and you know maybe maybe just buy a bitcoin but that's that's it, you know. I wouldn't go too far. We can't make ridiculous money, you said. So a Bitcoin, I think fine. Maybe maybe a few, but that's it. I'll leave it at that. A Bitcoin versus the fifty quid you were winning at Smash. Yes, yeah, that's a lot of money. A Bitcoin yeah, <laughs> in comparison. Come on, let's be real. Yeah, but yeah, I think I just want to be more in, into PlayStation at a younger age because I never was. If you had gone back, right, and you're now like you flash forward to now and that reality had happened, what games would you have hoped that you'd have experienced back in your youth? Well, the thing is, I think I would have even more love for Last of Us because I'd have played it originally rather than a month before part two. And it became very quickly became my favorite game of all time. I'd have played all the original God of Wars, Uncharted's when they came out, the Batmans. Bro, I'd, I don't know, Resistance Killzone. Jeez, this podcast might have started a long time before it did if I was that in the PlayStation back then. We could be on episode 300, 4, 500 and something. We might have 200 subs. Think about it, boys. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> it that could reality. be a lot. <laughs> Ten to go. Ten to go. <laughs> Ten to go. Oh, Hit that button. Yeah, do it, please. Yeah, that's a quick reminder for everybody out there that's got this far into the podcast because you're obviously enjoying this, this banter, this little bit of chat that we're having. Make sure you hit that subscribe button because it costs you nothing and it helps us it makes us very happy we really want to get to 200 by the end of the year right now Davey I know you've had a little bit of extra time here to think about my hypothetical what are you going to say to 16 year old Davey can I impart two bits of advice that are quite small but would have a major impact on my life now am I allowed that yeah I'll, I'll allow you to that's fine that's fine if you want to be greedy and you want to cheat because there's no winners and no losers here, but if you have to cheat, you're technically a loser. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll take it because this would actually have changed my life quite a lot. I would have gone back and I'd say, hey, you know that party you're going to go to and you're going to sneak a litre bottle of vodka and just drink the entire thing straight thinking you're a big man? You're going to be sick for three days on the row and then you can never drink straight vodka again. Even when you're 34, it makes you, it makes you retch immediately. You love vodka. Don't be a dickhead. Just take a little bit out with you. In fact, just take the beers that's in your dad's cupboard that you took as well. And then you would have pulled a bird that night. Easy. Maybe two. Because you were in there. And you wouldn't have fallen in the bins on your way home and then been comatose for two days when you probably should have got your stomach pumped. So that would be my first thing, lads. I definitely, that's like one of the darkest things ever. I've never been that white girl wasted in my life. Like, when people say they're a paralytic, that was paralytic. I've never been like that again like where you just your legs just do not work and you, you're just gone and you're like mm, it's just not even fun anymore and no one's have, everyone's just worried you know no one's even laughing at you because you're trash everyone's like he's gonna die he's gonna die tonight so th- that would be my first bit my second bit of advice would be you're 34 you've never caught an sti don't worry about it don't wrap it just raw dog it because your luck's there boy You've never caught a goddamn <laughs> thing. So just keep raw dogging every time you get the opportunity. Don't worry about it. And as far as I'm aware, no other kids. I was going to say, mate, Cass is what, five? How yeah. old would he be? <laughs> if you were raw dogging every time. <laughs> so far, mate, luck's in. I mean, maybe because I did rap, you know, when I did at those specific times, maybe that's the difference now. Whereas I could be here, I could flash back to this moment and I'm absolutely riddled. You know, like itching your nuts on the Yeah, I got, I got like gonorrhea cock. I got like the one ball that's just covered in warts. It could be horrendous, right? That could be the worst advice I've ever given out. But I reckon roll the dice, mate. Roll the <laughs> dice. <laughs> I give with the one hand, I take with the other. And then we just see where my life ends up. Could I be an alky at this point where I've just not gone off vodka and I love it a bit too much? And it takes every night for me to take the edge off. Take the edge off the gonorrhea sting from when I piss to have that glass of vodka. So yeah, that's that's where I'm going. I probably would either ruin my life or slightly improve it. Or kind of none of the same, but I like a bit of vodka now. Who knows? But I'm I'm happy to take those odds. Do you feel like you're missing out not catching an STI then? Is that what you're trying to achieve by giving that like advice? That is- because you ah. want to be burnt. You know when you're growing up as a kid and you reach up to that stove and you touch the hot the hot pan and you're like, oh, that's heat. That hurts, right? I'll never do that again. You know, you, you've gone too close to the sun, young Icarus. <laughs> Is that what you want with the STI? <laughs> I just, I've never been to a gum, gum clinic in my life, right? Like never. And I always thought, mm, there's a chance here that I've got something. And then when, when you uh, get a woman pregnant, they go and get tests. And that's when you know, because they get tests. And if they're clear, you're clear. It's totally fine, right? So everything's A-OK my end, but I've never had that experience because there's always these horror stories about when you go to the gum clinic that they put this thing, Straight up your thing. down in the urethra, right? And I was always like, there's no way, oh, that God. can't be real, that sounds barbaric, where they put this little thing that's got like little gauze or something on it, just down your dick. And I'm sure that probably isn't a thing. I'm sure someone just made it up, but that was the reason why I avoided the gum clinic. But, but now I don't know if that's real or not. And I'm sure it's probably a Google away, but maybe they hide that information so young lads go in and get tested. 
And then when they leave, they got to sign an NDA. I don't know. But I would be able to close this loophole in my life and know that actually, no, they don't put a rod down your dick. <laughs> I just want to know what it's like. It sounds like another one of Spencer's weird fetishes. We've yeah. been through them all so far. And if whatever that's called, I don't know, but I'm sure it's got a name. It um, does have a name. Oh, there we go. He knows. He knows. It's yeah, disgusting. Of course, of course but I know sense. someone who enjoys that fetish. Oh, oh yeah. that's mankin. Yeah. It is horrendous. It's me. It's not, it's not me. It's definitely not me. Awful. Awful fish. Jesus Christ. It's the worst of the bunch. That's a bad one, isn't it? That's a bad one, that one. But yeah, so that's what that's what I do, lads. That's what I do. What about yourself, Mr. Hoy? What would you do? Well, moving on from Spencer's weird fetish. My advice to 16-year-old me, I think. Let me introduce you to a little story about my life. I've kind of got to the point now where I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking things could be a little bit better. So I signed up to a personal trainer, okay? And this last week has been one of the hardest weeks of my life. The diet's changed. The amount of working out strength-wise has changed. I'm now doing cardio. There's supplements out the wazoo. And it's all because I have never really taken training all that serious. I know, Davey, we used to go to the gym fairly regular okay but we only went and just lifted weights we didn't really maximize the full potential there okay and we got some gains and we did very well with those gains but imagine if we had taken it seriously at that point we were back in davis's gym with your dad with big dog with his gloves his special mystical gloves that still hang around your dad's uh your dad's garage and we could we could have made something of ourselves but now looking at ourselves on the podcast, because we look at ourselves every time we um, record a podcast, we and this podcast, for all the people on Spotify, it's on video, so you can actually see what we look like. We could be stacked. Not that I really want to be super stacked, but we could be a little bit better than we are now. So I think 16-year-old Phil, I would have said, get into the gym slightly earlier than you did, because this last week has killed me. And this is why, when we get on to what have we been playing, I haven't really been playing a lot. Because I've been suffering from the gym. It's been super difficult. I'm 38, and now I've decided to take the gym really seriously. It's killing me, guys. Really, really killing me. Well, the thing is, if you had started the gym earlier, you wouldn't have had that hunchback. Phil was walking around in his early 20s like <laughs> fucking like Quasimodo, bro. It was wild. Uh, he was playing WoW at the time when you meet. <laughs> That's what it was, yeah. It is all, all I, I was a yeah. WoW I had I had long hair, hunchback. And I didn't go outside a lot, to be perfectly honest. I just played a lot of WoW and really enjoyed my time. But yeah, nearly failed my first degree because of it. So would you want that in your life? I don't know. You've got a level 60. He's got all the epics. He's got (laughs) Thunder Fury. But you look like a twig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You look this way. So I think maybe I should have subbed out World of Warcraft for the gym at that point and gone a little bit more serious. And I think things would have played out near enough the same but I'd just be a little happier when I looked in the mirror. <sighs> oh, that's a bit sad. That's devastating. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, my God. <laughs> fucking hell. I feel like I'm going to cry. Shit. <laughs> this is an intervention on this podcast. Fucking hell. That's very funny. Oh, God. Oh, dear. Well, that was bloody depressing. Audience, if you got, um, if you got any advice that you'd give your younger self, write into the podcast. PSVTrust at gmail.com or hit us up on the socials all in the description of the show.
Now let's move it on to what we've been playing. This time on NPS We Trust, what have the boys been playing? So guys, it's been two weeks since the last podcast episode and I'm desperate to know what you've been up to with your time. Spence, we always start with yourself. What have you been playing? Sure, mate. So I guess I'll start with, well, I've only been playing one game on my own and it's the game I talked about last time, uh, which is Jedi Fallen Order. And last time, I think I said I got to the part where you first get your own lightsaber. You've been using your masters this whole time and you finally actually create your own. Good little bit of the game. I quite liked it. It's nice. You get to separate them and stuff as well. You get to do like special attacks and shit now. Your damage is better. It's like, ooh, this is fun. And I had a nice purple saber. Lovely. Um, but since then, I've put a few more hours into the game. I was kind of neglecting it. I don't know why. I didn't really want to play it. And then the one day I just sat down and I said, just do it. And I finished it in one more sitting uh, from the last episode. It's a pretty good game. It's a damn good game. Fair play. The combat's really fun. I think the game's easier than people make it out to be. Uh, I don't think it plays like Dark Souls at all, which people compare it to. But I think it's got a good story, a really good story. I think the combat's really fun, very parry heavy, which I like. And just once you have all your abilities, it's really fun. So when you're fighting those droids, which are annoying as shit, and you can get your little robot to just take over them, lovely. I remember playing, as much as I'm not a Star Wars fan, and I bring this every, up every single time, there was a Star Wars game that I'm trying to remember on the spot. It was a PS3 game. And I remember it starting off pretty slow. But as soon as you actually got into it and you started getting some, some of the powers, especially some of the lightning powers, yeah, I know that, that game, game was a hell of a lot of fun. So is it along those sort of lines where you sort of start off a bit bored and then as soon as it opens up, you're just like, wow, and everything changes? I wouldn't say so. The game you're on about is Force Unleashed, by the way, which is a sick game. There we go. That's the game. game. I have actually played and enjoyed a Star Wars game. It's all the missions tonight, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. I think that Force Unleashed is probably my favorite Star Wars game of all time. And it's damn brilliant game. There's two of them. Sick games. But I wouldn't really say this is similar. I think Force Unleashed was a bit more Devil May Cry, Hack and Slash-esque. Whereas this is a lot more, the combat's supposed to be actually quite challenging. Um, there's a lot more defensive play than there was in the last game. But I wouldn't say that it's a slow start really, because the story does grab you right away in this game. It's actually a very emotional start. And you kind of learn about the characters and everything immediately and it all kicks off right away. Yeah, I'd say, say it's quite good. I'd say the story in Force Unleashed was quite fast paced as well. A bit slower paced, but... It's still pretty good, but this game does grip you right away. It's fun throughout, and it just gets better as you get stronger as a character. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it, really, with, uh, with, with this game? Because it's, it's kind of like a mix between Souls, Uncharted. I don't really know how to describe it. It's very weird. It's like very kind of sequence-heavy, like Uncharted. It's like where you're falling down stuff, or you're like traversing around the area to get like different handholds with all like always as soon as you jump the path like falls away from you underneath uh all that kind of stuff and it's like a really high production level the respawn have done on it which makes it stand out from kind of anything else that i played in in star wars for a long time and uh, and i really loved it I, I suppose the big thing and try not to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it but the ending of that game what did you think about it i mean all right the final boss was exactly what i expected it to be which was challenging. I think I died twice. 
to the final boss and then I beat it on my third try. But it was definitely challenging. Really, really fun fight. It's just a sick ass lightsaber fight as it should be. It's class. But the ending beyond that fight, that bit of story you get after, oh baby. It, it ends on such a high. Like an absolutely insane high. And it's actually frustrating that I haven't picked up Spivey yet because I want to know what happens. But I don't have time now because Spidey... Well, I could beat Survivor before Spidey. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I can't, I can't, I can't. I could, I can't. Damn. I really want to play Survivor now. You've reminded me of the end of that game now. The ending is sick. As a Star Wars fan, that ending is immense. It's got to be one of the best endings of of anything I, I think I've played in a long time. Like, I remember literally popping off. And I, you don't pop off at an ending, really, like, really kind of ever. But something happens, and I remember just being like, oh, shit! And then after, because I had no idea it happened, I went online and searched it, and this whole pop-off compilations of streamers when that happens, and everyone's, like, losing their mind, bro. Everyone's like, oh, my God! It's, like, insane. It's absolutely insane. But yeah, you're right. I think Survivor is just a damn shame because it's just a casualty of 2023 for us. I know yeah. a lot of people have experienced it, but we just haven't had time this year. And I know that it'll be a game that we'll probably play like early 2024 and then be like, shit, that would have made our top 10 list or that would have made, you know, whatever, right? But it's just the reality. We don't have all the time in the world. Some things have got to give, right? When you've got Spidey around the corner, Alan Wake 2, got to leave your options open, I'm afraid. So it is what it is. But no, well done. And um, I suppose finishing the game, how would you rate it, Spence? Oh, I'm trying to be... I've thought about this whilst you were speaking then. I was thinking, what do I rate this game? Because I can't think. I had a few bugs, as I do, because I'm the bug hunter. Happens all the bloody time. And I don't know, there's not really too many bad things about this game other than the traversal. If the traversal was better, I wouldn't really have any complaints at all. So it's kind of hard to say. I'm leaning towards an 8, but I'm thinking eight's too high. But I mean, I'm leaning towards 8. I was going to give it a 7. But Ooh, that seven. ending, as good as it is, the story never really dulls. The story's always great. The combat's really fun. It's just a traversal, and the story could be better. It's great. But it's not really something that you'll remember forever. It's not something that'll stay in your mind, like a nine out of or a ten would. So I'd probably give it an eight, maybe seven and a half, because the traversal's dog. It's not a game that I'll revisit, but it's a game that I'm glad I played. Fair. I think I'd definitely go in for an eight out of ten on it. Uh, I don't think it does enough. I th I think, like you say, the traversal does let it down quite a lot. And it ruins the kind of fun that you'd have for going back with all those enhanced powers and getting the platinum. Yeah. So it does kind of take away from it. I think an 8 out of 10 solid. I'd n I wouldn't go any lower than that, personally. But uh, hey, when we get to 2024 and we get Survivor in our hands, let's see what they've managed to improve. Because from what I've heard, it's fucking fantastic. So something for yeah. us to look forward to. While we're on the space theme, Phil, do you want to give us an update on The Expanse? Well, Davey, yes, I do. Because that is the only game I have been playing since starting the gym previously mentioned in our earlier question because I have had no time at all and this was a very nice quick ending to the game. Um, it was a really enjoyable ending to the game and after my review of episode four I was a little worried with this one. I thought it could go 
down like a lead balloon because every episode so far has kind of got slowly worse and worse and worse but this one definitely redeems itself it brings it back together and ties itself in a very neat bow right at the end and you get that kind of sense of oh that was really that's what they were trying to achieve there and it's one of those games as i'll talk about later i think i will be replaying now, I managed to save three out of the four main characters that you sort of interact with throughout the game, um, and I fell down slightly because I spaced one of the uh, characters in episode one, and you were meant to save him, I think, to get a trophy. Okay, so I possibly could go for a platinum trophy on this one. Ooh, I enjoyed it that much that I might go for the platinum trophy. But yes, I wanted to space someone because I'm a big lover of The Expanse and it was it was a really cool aspect of the show. So for people who hasn't seen The Expanse, what I mean by being spaced is that they lock someone in a, in a room and they basically open the doors on the other side to space, hence being spaced. And then you slowly see them and then they freeze in space and just slowly drift away. And it's a really, really cool aspect to The Expanse. I'm sure it's been done in other shows, but the way they pulled that together, I just couldn't say no. As soon as they gave me the opportunity, I was like, space him, space him, throw him out. So yeah, I fell down slightly, but I managed to save three others, which I thought was pretty good on my first run because I didn't actually know that was really an objective. I was just being nice to the nice characters and evil to the really evil character right at the start um these telltale games though and this episode in particular did stress me out can you tell i've got grayer because of this episode it is full to the brim with you know what quick time events that's how telltale games have the action okay so you'll be getting into it you'll be like oh what's going on what's going on and then slowly she'll bring up a gun and you gotta press R1. You gotta press L2. You gotta to flick to the right. You gotta to flick to the left. And my God, it's just stressful, isn't it? Is that enjoyable? I don't know. I don't really enjoy that as an interaction to the game. I probably would have just preferred it just to play out and me just to have said A or B and just watched kind of an interactive movie, but not had that level of interaction because ah, quick time events. It's so like, you know, 10 years ago, isn't it really? But as I said, I did enjoy the game to quite a high level, and most of that all surrounded being able to play my favourite character from the series, drummer, Kara Gee, and she voiced it perfectly. I know we've rinsed someone in particular on a podcast, not mentioning anyone's names, but it might have been Ada Wong, um, but in this one, this was voice acting perfection. She did very well, so she's the original actress uh, for the character drummer in the series and she came back reprised her role and she did an outstanding job i don't know if she's been in video games before but she took to it like a duck to water as i said this game loads of quick time events but once you get past it it really finished in a really elegant way and it tied everything together which i was really happy about um, it's one of those games that as I said earlier, I do want to revisit. I do want to go through. I do want to save all four people. But Spencer, you mentioned it earlier. Spider-Man's on its way. I know preloads are coming out really, really soon as well. So it's warming up. So I don't know if I'm going to have enough time, but I think maybe I'll leave this after Spider-Man, come back to it, and maybe just have an hour there, an hour in between, and just do the odd episode. Now, Davey, I know you're going to ask me, 
about ratings. And I've done a little bit of research. IGN gave it a 7 out of 10. GameSpot gave it a 9 out of 10 for this. And I'm going to go somewhere in the middle. I think it's an 8 out of 10 experience, but only an 8 out of 10 experience if you like The Expanse. And I think that's my caveat to it. I think you have to be an Expanse fan to rate it that high. Otherwise, it's just another Telltale game. I don't believe from the ones I've played that they've done anything particularly different in this one. It's just a romp for people who love The Expanse. And I love The Expanse. And that's probably why it's getting that extra mark and boosting it up to that 8 out of 10. Well, let's be fair. I think that's totally fair. I mean, at the end of the day, like with these Telltale games, the point generally should be that you like the IP, that you like the license, and you go in and see what they've done to be able to do that. So, like, for, for example, if you're a fan of Batman, the Batman Telltale games are excellent. They're, They're great. great. If you don't like Batman, you probably won't get the same level of appreciation out of it. It, it just comes with the territory. It turns out The Walking Dead is just one of those that Walking Dead Season 1, I think you, even if you don't like The Walking Dead, it just fucking so bangs, good. right? It's just so good. But most of them, I think it is carried by the IP. So I think that's totally fair. And it sounds interesting, mate. Um, Certainly one that I, I definitely would like to watch the show. You want about it so much that I feel like I have to watch the show. But then again, you guys want about Game of Thrones for like 10 years and I never watched a single episode. So, you know, maybe I won't watch it. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Who knows, right? You also don't want to play the Game of Thrones Telltale. Oh, it's not very good. Bad. If I was going to go back and give 16-year-old Davey some advice, I'd be like, you want to watch Game of Thrones, you want to watch Walking Dead, you want to watch The Expanse, because these shows are epic. Especially when Amazon took over The Expanse. It just gets really, really good. So please, 16-year-old Davey, however old you are now, Davey, watch The Expanse. There's my advice. Thanks, mate. Thanks. I will. i tell you what I tend to do. If I have a really, really bad hangover, or if I'm ill, I watch a lot of TV and movies and I catch up. So we're getting into flu season. Who knows? Maybe that's my time to, uh, to catch up on The Expanse or something. Never know. Normally you tend to watch an anime. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Though. We'll see what happens. But guys, I have been playing a couple of things. Now, I'm not going to spend w- long on the first one because it's something that I've spoken about for what seems like forever on the podcast. And that is Final Fantasy 16. The last time I'm going to mention it ever... And it's because I finally completed New Game Plus and earned myself a Platinum Trophy. Ooh, that's a Platinum. It's a Platinum that took me just shy of 100 hours. I think it took me something like 95 hours, something like that. It was fun. It was just a game that I got to relive all the hype moments that I'd, I'd witnessed for the first time and kind of get a deeper level of appreciation for the story. But I did end up skipping 99% of the cutscenes and I did end up just mainlining it. So did no other side quests, nothing like that. Just played the game through. And I'm bang on what I said before. Pacing so much better if you just play it mainline. Literally so much better. The other game that I've been playing, guys, and the one that I know, Spence, you've been playing a bit of as well, is the Modern Warfare 3 beta has landed. Now, Spence, you pre-ordered the game, so you managed to get two extra days full of playtime that I didn't have. So I'm going to come to you first. What are your thoughts after playing the Modern Warfare 3 beta? Can you talk through the maps that you played, kind of different modes, and just your overall thoughts? Hell yeah, brother. So as much as I pre-ordered, I technically had two days earlier access. I didn't really utilize it. So I played a little bit on day one. Day one was Friday, right? Yeah, Friday, yeah. Friday, yeah. So we were supposed to record the show, but we delayed so that we could play this and experience it. And then we went out Saturday. 
and then Sunday came and went and now it's Monday and I honestly haven't put as much time into it as I'd have liked but I've put enough time into it to have an opinion on it but it's basically it's all the old maps from Modern Warfare 2 the original Modern Warfare 2 there's no new maps in this beta and as far as I know there's none in the game at launch it's all just old maps but it's going to have all the old maps on launch and the ones I got to play were Rust I only played one game Skid Row Favela and Estate and let me tell you oh it's nice to be back it is good to be back on those old maps I do genuinely think I prefer the new Call of Duty map design to the old one I don't like these maps as much as I like some of the Modern Warfare 2 2 maps the remake but it's getting tricky with these names I do think it plays well the maps are good they've all got like they basically they're fundamentally exactly the same but they've got a brand new coat of paint on them and they look fantastic we've got new guns which are kind of just the same old guns but they have different names now wow so i've been using the mcw god knows what gun that is but it's an assault rifle and now it's a laser beam it feels great slide cancelling from modern warfare remake you know the not call of duty 11 <laughs> it's really yes. difficult to say but Outrageous. slide cancelling was in that and in Warzone. Uh, and then it was gone. And now it's back again. And it's so smooth. The movement in this game is peng. And they've reworked the perk system from the last COD. So now it's like it used to be. Except this equipment you actually wear. So you've got commando or scavenger gloves. You've got a different headset depending on like what ability you want or what perk you want. You've got a different vest. Um, which are, it's just your perks. But they've put it into something that makes a bit more sense rather than it just being this ethereal ability that you somehow gain as a soldier. Now it's actually, oh, you know, that's a lightweight vest so you can run a little bit longer than the other ones. Cheers, game. Thank you for that. You got ghost camo and stuff, but it base, it's Call of Duty. You know what you're getting into with Call of Duty. This is just another one that's basically the old one, but new with an old name. But it's really good. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. Davey, mate, I've been going on. Whilst you, I'm going to pass it across to you, what's your thoughts? And I'm going to find out exactly what entry of Call of Duty this is. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm a bit a bit confused on this one, to be honest. I, I'm not... Uh, I'll describe what I like. I think we'll start with what I like, and I'll, I'll go into what's kind of potential hang-ups for me. So the maps are great. You know, going back to some classic maps, going back to Favela, and especially with Favela, for some reason my mind just completely blanked out that map. I remember the campaign mission really well, did not remember the map. So it was kind of like a brand new experience going back in and learning that. Whereas something like Rust or something like Estate, they kind of like just grinded into you over time. And so I, I did really enjoy and get a kick out of going back and getting that nostalgia fix. I love the minimap. So they've got a classic style minimap in terms of if you are using an unsilenced weapon, you show up as a red dot on the minimap. If you silence your weapon, you don't show up. Makes perfect sense. It's great. It's just classic kind of COD through and through that for some reason, they've kind of dipped away from the last few years. And so I really did enjoy that. The time to kill has been increased. So you no longer drop as fast as you do in Modern Warfare 2. It takes at least an extra one or two bullets to be able to down you. And it does give you a chance that now it's not just who sees first wins. It's not necessarily that. Depends if they get their shots on or not. But you do have an opportunity to turn around, jump maybe, and just pepper them full of bullets and win. 
And that feels great. That feels really, really good. The issues that I have with this game is that it feels like Modern Warfare 2.5. And I mean that in like every single level. Now, the original rumor for this was that it was supposed to be DLC. It feels like DLC to me. It really does. They've got the same UI as Modern Warfare 2. Exactly the same UI, uh, which is always just like, oh, okay, all right. So it feels like as if I'm not playing a new game. It feels like as if I'm just booting up the old one that I've only just moved myself away from. And so that's kind of putting me off a little bit. And also the spawning is shit. The spawning is exactly the same shit system that they've used for the last few cards now. And it's fucking pissing me off. Because these maps, and I think this is the reason why these maps aren't vibing with me as well as, as they used to in Modern Warfare 2. is because they're doing this same random bullshit squad spawning thing. So that if you're not around an enemy, someone will spawn on you. And it's like, oh, fuck's sake. It means that it's really hard to be able to play my style of COD, which is sneaking around and flanking. Because as soon as you start that, the spawns all swap. And it's like, for fuck's sake. Like, I've worked my way around to get round this team to get here. And now it's gone. I feel like just that simple change with the spawns has kind of taken away some of the magic that these maps had before back in the day. There's something there that's kind of destroyed a little bit. Uh, I mean, I have to see as we get onto things like Terminal and to High Rise and to the maps that I know really, really well to see if that stays true or not. But I can't quite shake that feeling that it doesn't feel quite right. And I can't really put my finger on, on what it is just yet. But something about it is not grabbing me the way I thought it would. And I think what's made it worse, Spence, is that you've been playing a lot of Apex lately. Going from Apex to this... I want to play Apex. I honestly just want to play Apex. I, I feel like it's much better in how it, in how it plays. I honestly am I'm co- coming out of this and then thinking, oh, I really miss the momentum. I really miss the tactical like kind of conflicts that happen in Apex and how stressful it can get when you don't know if you're going to win the fight and it's two on one now and can you pull it off? Can your teammate come in for the save? I kind of miss all the nuance from that. And and now I just feel like I'm playing Modern Warfare 2 again that I've only just stepped away from. I mean, maybe it's a bit of an unfair comparison, but I mean, I mean that's how I'm feeling, Spence. Are you thinking I'm kind of out of left field with this one? I wouldn't say you're out of left field because I do agree with your points. Um, I don't think there is much of a downside to me as they are to you. Uh, the spawn system has been buggered for years. I've kind of just accepted that that's the way it is. I've gotten over it, I suppose. Um, but I also don't play the same way you play. I very much just run and gun. I just jump about the place. Well, I don't really jump. I do now with my dual sense edge. But I just run around and just shoot people when I see them rather than trying to be sneaky, sneaky boy. I just get in there nice and loud. But it is, I wouldn't even say it's Modern Warfare 2.5. I'd say it's Modern Warfare 1.5. It feels more like the original Modern Warfare, which we didn't actually gel with that much. Because we played the hell out of the beta and then never touched the actual game. We bought it, were really excited, played it for about a week and never touched it again. And Modern Warfare 2 gripped us. It's kind of like they've mixed the two games. So it's the gameplay of Modern Warfare 1 with the UI and the systems of Modern Warfare 2. And it does feel like they are being really lazy about it. It's all the same engine as the last game. It's all the maps from the original Modern Warfare 2. There's no new maps. The zombies, you're just in a field. It feels like they've actually been really lazy with this game. And it's still Call of Duty, so it's great. But it, it does feel like a half step. And I will say this is 
actually Call of Duty number 23. <laughs> it's been a lot. And that's mainline. No wow. spin-offs. Jeez. Jeez. Now, guys, I'm going to interject here because I haven't actually found the time to be able to play this just yet. But I was relatively excited on the last episode when we were discussing it. And hearing your sort of feedback now slightly depressed me. You know, it was only last episode. We were praising them for bringing this back. We were saying that they were listening to the community and they were giving us what we've always wanted to see in COD. And now you're saying that the execution isn't at that sort of higher echelon that we, I suppose, are used to. We've always been spoiled with COD because they have been so clinical with how they've delivered content. And now we've asked for something, they've given it us, but it's not at that same level. It's a disappointment. I'm really, really down about that, guys. Now, Davey, is there anything they can do to save it? That's the question. If you were the big boss at the top, what would you say? I would say to, to myself, so I would come to 34-year-old me as head of Activision, and I would say, Davey, hang fire, mate. You bought that Homelander skin for 15 quid only a few months ago. You're going to be able to bring that in. You're going to be able to pick up your RPK, your Lackman sub, and they're going to work immediately. The guns that you vibe with to fuck. You're going to be able to come in and rinse some kiddies. Maybe that's enough. Maybe that having those guns that I love so much and putting them in the maps that I adore will make me overlook the shortcomings that, that I'm seeing at the moment. And it might be that, you know, with more playtime, I've probably put about four hours, I think, of playtime in. It's so not a huge deal. Maybe a little bit more. I'll vibe even more with the, the spawning or with some of the complaints that I do have with it. And I'll be able to appreciate for what it does. But, I mean, am I going to play it when it comes out? Yeah, of course I am. It's fucking COD. And like Spence says, it plays really well. And it plays better than last year's COD in terms of like the movement's really nice. It's really nice. So we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. If I can have a chance to play on high rise over the next couple of days and they give me terminal, terminal's enough for me to buy the game. That map's like one of the best maps ever made. I cannot wait to go in there, get in that cockpit, set up camp, and just start spraying people with an LMG, getting a nuke. That's the kind of shit I used to back in the day. It's coming back again. Claymore mines behind me, sitting in the front of that plane. You ain't getting me out, boys. I'm staying there for life. Can't wait. Can't wait. But I think, Phil, for yourself, I think it'd be worth you diving in and giving it a go while we got these open betas. We've got a couple of weekends on the bounce now of open, open betas. So you'll have opportunity to be able to find an hour or two and dive in and see what you think. With me and Spence kind of t tempering your expectations a little bit here, you may go into it thinking, oh God, I might not like it, and then come out really surprised at just how well executed it is. So it, it could just be that we've been hyping this up for ourselves since we found out about Modern Warfare 2 maps coming in, that we're expecting them to have really delivered on every single level, when really we should have set our expectations with the rumors that were there before. But you'll have to uh, give us your impressions on the next show. I will do, mate. I'll be there. Let's do it on a Thursday. Let's do it on a Thursday. Let's find the time to get together. Let's not do the duo. Let's bring the triple. Let's all go together next Thursday night and we can give a refresh on this view because I'm hearing a lot of negativity and I can't be having that with cards, guys. I'm going to save it for you. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Well, with that bombshell, let's move it on to quick news. Quick news. Quickity quick, quick news. 
news. And we are at, as I've said, quick news. And this is the part of the show where we like to challenge each other to impressions. And the way we do things these days is that we go round in a circle. We don't name the impressions. You get to choose your own impressions. I just give you the theme. And the theme of this week is sounds that you might find at a sporting event. Okay, Spencer, as we always come to you first, I'm going to come to you first again. So let's hear your sound from a sporting event. And we're not going to buzz in. We're just going to shout out as soon as we have an inkling about what your impression is. I've got one that I really want to do, but I don't know how to do it. So I'll just do something else. You fucking wanker. You man screaming at the ref. At the ref, yeah. Usually oh, <laughs> at the here ref. Here we go. <laughs> Bang on, mate. Nice, that was well fast. Quick news. So, guys, as always, I am here presenting to you the brand new games for PlayStation Plus Monthly Essential. So, the games for October are as follows Budget Deadspit, Callisto Protocol for the PS4, PS5. We have Davies' new game of the year, Farming Simulator 22. And while he's playing that, Phil and I might be getting busy on Weird West. All three games this time for the PS4 and PS5. Wow. Three PS5 games. Look at that. Any of these games. All right, hang on. We've all played Callisto. So I'm going to knock that off. So Weird West and Farming Simulator 22. Either of these stand out to you, boys. And if so, why? Weird West looks sick. It, it just looks interesting. I, I, I remember seeing it a, a while ago when it first came out. I thought, oh, that looks quite cool. And then just never really gave it a second thought. You know, it's like one of those games that just like kind of pops in and pops out of the brain. And then you get to this point, you think, oh, I remember that. And so, yeah, I think this is definitely a game that we could check out on a Thursday night. It looks really interesting to me. Farming Simulator, though. Two-player co-op on that, baby. We could be farming our fields together. I think, actually, it's six-player online. I don't know what that looks like, that online. I reckon we dive in and give it a try. Maybe we're all competing, rival farmers. You know, maybe you go and plow your wheat, or I'm sowing corn. Who knows, maybe corn's more expensive than wheat this year, but I didn't have a rainy summer, so my harvest ain't going to be as good. You know, who knows what it is? This is the, the joys that we can experience, just like I did with bass fishing all those many months ago. We can do it, but this time we can do it as a team of farmers, young farmers. And they always mention, young farmers, that they have a wild night out, if you've ever spoken to those. They always say, like, crazy night out in wild farmers. And you think, mm, I don't think it probably was, <laughs> mate. I don't think it was. What were you doing? Drinking shitloads of scrumpy we were. Or cracking night. And you think, ah, oh, you really just sat in an old man pub waiting until about 10 p.m. and then you went home. Oh, go be up at five to feed the pigs. Oh, fuck off, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are, those are my picks. I think I'm quite happy with either of them, to be fair, but definitely Weird West, more my cup of tea. Don't know about yourself, Phil. Lovely. Well, for me, before I start, can we just pour one out for Callisto Protocol? We called it a couple of weeks back that it was going to end up on PS Plus, and here it is. 
now everybody gets it for free. But I have seen some interesting collector's editions of Callisto Protocol going for ridiculous prices now. And that statue's actually pretty damn cool. Like the visuals in Callisto, and that's something that everyone will always sort of big up because they were outstanding, um, especially when I played it through and they had all the reworks. It just looked so beautiful. So that statue is out there and it's at a heavily reduced price. So keep an eye out for that. I think it's maybe just America that I was seeing it in sort of GameStop. I didn't really see it in any UK stores. But if you see it, and if I see it in December, I think I might pick up a collector's edition of Callisto if I can get it for that reduced price but out of those two games you got it you, you you hit the nail on the head there Davey like both of these games actually look great like Wild West looks super interesting if we can play that together I'm well up for it I think that could be a beautiful Thursday night game the same as Farming Simulator if we can compete while we're each trying to sow our seed the fastest and we're rolling around on our big tractors. If I can get one of those Lamborghini tractors that Clarkson adds on Clarkson Farming, I could live out of fantasy there. That would be absolutely brilliant. And I did see something funny the other day on Twitter. That's where I spend all my time. There was a guy relaxing, playing Farming Simulator, and he had a glass of white and it looked like he had no other cares in the world. He couldn't give two fucks. He was just enjoying himself with a glass of white playing farming simulator so i might do the same but it'll be a red for me it won't be any of the davis uh wine that you produced on your farm i think i might have to uh go down the hoist store and uh, see what see what i've got down the cellar but uh, I'll, I'll be joining you and i'll bring my wine very cultured mate gonna bring some cheese on the side as well when you're driving you need a snack when you're in the middle of plowing that field of course mate in for a penny in for a pound i'm well up for it all cheese and biscuits night glass of wine bit of farming simulator 2022 i don't know what the update is for 2023 i don't think we're going to miss out too much you know what possibly could have changed in the farming world i don't know how progressive they are in the farming world spence maybe i don't know is there a new tractor for 2023 that i should be looking for it's gotta be mate it's gotta be new registrations every year in there they can make new models <laughs> bro gotta get a porsche tractor 23 <laughs> chuck the bluetooth on mate convertible tractors now i hear i think the thing we'd, we could look forward to lads is if we played farming simulator one and it's set like when they first learned about agriculture so the dawn of man and so you've got to figure it out so you basically just got land you got nothing there it's just all trees and grassland and you've got to just go and figure out what farming is and you're the man the birth of agriculture Agriculture 101, that's what I'd call it. But uh, we're not there yet. And as you said, maybe it's just a case that this year you got a better plough. I don't know what they really do on a farm, to be honest. With the first one, do they have square wheels on the plough? And then maybe by the time we get to Farming Simulator 2, they found a circular wheel, so it's a little bit easier to play. You know, you've got those haptic feedback on the remote every time. <laughs> you go around on your square wheels on Farming Simulator 1, you get to 2, it's a bit smoother you got a bit of a rumble kind of feature, and then you just get more and more immersed as we're up to tractors now and Lamborghinis and Porsches. I would only see that as the progression. Yeah, I think you just start it off with just one horse, and then the second one is two horsepower, isn't it? You've got two. Spice it up. Everything's just slightly quicker. You know, not that much. Just slightly better. You know, and, and that's it. Oh, slap a number two on this boy. You don't buy it, these farmers. <laughs> Spence, what about yourself? What game really tickles your fancy this month? Uh, well, firstly, I'm going to say about Farming Simulator 22, it is two-player co-op and I believe six-player competitive, like you said, because there are actually Farming Simulator tournaments that happen. 
where people compete against each other to form, which is wild, but it exists. Uh, I don't think we should enter that space. As much as I don't compete in Smash or anything else at the moment, I don't really need that to fill the void. It's not for me. But some co-op farming or just us, us three competing against each other, that could be really fun. And I'm happy to do it in my little Ferrari tractor, mate. I think that'd be great fun. <laughs> but also, Weird West looks really fun. It looks like a great little top-down, shoot 'em up kind of alienation, dead nation kind of game. I think it could be a lot of fun, all of us playing together. Could be a new Thursday night game. And I think it'd be great. Just to nip in there. Unfortunately, I'm reading that it's a single-player game. It's not Weird, multiplayer. Is it? Weird West? No doesn't way. look like it's multiplayer. No way. It looks multiplayer. From, from the impressions, like when I was looking at the screenshots, that looked like multiplayer. But I'm on the Weird West video game Wikipedia, and it says modes single player. Oh, yeah, there's not. Oh, my God. What a missed opportunity. Well, Weird West is out the window, boys, because Spider-Man 2 is out in 11 days. So no Weird West for me. None of that. I imagine you boys kind of follow suit. Maybe we'll dip our toes in. Davey likes his weird games. This one's got weird in the name. But also, I do want to say before we move on to my next little bit, Phil, when you mentioned the collector's editions for Callisto, I did have a little Google because I'm a bit, I, ooh, I quite like that as well. £123 for the collector's edition rather than 260 which is what it launched at. £123 and you get a lot. I think I saw it for... I think a quarter of that price. So a quarter of the original price. So I saw it for around $50, $40, something like that online at GameStop. And who knows if that was for real, if, if they have any in stock at this point, because they may have all sold out, because it is a stunning collector's edition. It really is. Unfortunately, not such a great game. Yeah, I saw it at $47.50, I think it was, on GameStop. And I thought, fucking ass a steal, isn't it? Like $47.50, we paid more for, the, for your Dead Island statue than that yeah we did yeah you know yeah but that's had a lot of use mate yeah yes she's making now isn't she that bird that's with that well you don't see her now (laughs) yeah she's out the way yeah just covered in jizz she's getting washed yeah yeah (laughs) she's in a washing machine at the minute (laughs) just spinning round yeah in the washing machine right (laughs) she's gone for some maintenance (laughs) oh god that's savage that's savage but yeah, what a bargain for a... I wouldn't say it's a terrible game. For a decent game. Decent game. It's just not Dead Space. It's not what it could be. But, that aside, boys. We do have a rumour inside this quick news. And I'm the one bringing it up and discussing it because it is the rumoured games for PS Plus Extra and Premium that are coming to the system. So, what we have in store for everyone hopefully soon is gotham knights the dark pictures anthology house of ashes disco elysium the final cut far changing tides gungrave gore dead island definitive edition alien isolation that'll be fun and elite dangerous and apparently some more games to follow but that's what we know so far this is just a rumor These games aren't confirmed or anything. These are just the rumoured games we're going to be getting. Phil, did any of those games that I just mentioned stand out to you? Are there any that you're looking to play 
if they do happen to come to the service. Well, there's a bunch of games in this list, isn't there? It's a really impressive list, but I'm not actually a subscriber to the extra or premium level. So I won't have these games come when they come out for you guys. But Gotham Knights, there's a game there that I would be interested to play if I had it for free, as uh, as well as the Disco Elysium. I have played that on the PC, but I would love to play that on PC and see how that sort of transitions. The Dark Pictures Anthology, I haven't played a single one of those. And now coming off the back of the Telltale games, I think I could be interested in that sort of uh, game. And there's one other one on there that really sticks out to me, and that's Alien Isolation. Now that game, we were all very hyped about when that first came out, and it's just we've just gone dead on it. So I didn't know what happened to that game. I haven't heard anything about it. But if I had it on the service and it was free, I'd be diving in and playing a little bit of that, definitely. Hell yeah, mate. Hell yeah. Davey, mate, any of these stand out to you? Yeah, quite a few of them. Like like Phil said, there's some actual really good games here. Now, a couple of these I've played, a couple of them my own. So Dark Pictures Anthology House of Ashes is the best one of the Dark Pictures games. If there's any of them to play, it well, Until Dawn's the best, but it's not really part of this whole Dark Pictures Anthology House of Ashes is actually fantastic. So I would really encourage anybody, if you haven't played any of them before, you want to see the peak, House of Ashes. Excellent game, especially now we're in spooky season. October is here. It's a perfect time to sit down with a loved one, with a girlfriend, something like that, and just play it through. It's a night's worth of entertainment. And it's a a game that you'll walk away from and you'll feel very happy that you spent the time doing it. Highly recommended. Alien Isolation, as you were saying, Phil, is supposed to be excellent. It's supposed to be absolutely incredible. Came out many, many years ago now at this point. I've got it. I bought it. I mean, I'm buying it for like £4.53 for the PS5 version. And I just haven't played it. I've been meaning to. I've been meaning to do it. I love Alien. The issue is with Isolation, the reason why I probably haven't played it is because it's one of those games where you've got no real way to fight back. So you're kind of having to run away from the killer. So kind of like Outlast situation. And they often just scare me to death. So I often just pussy out and think, oh, I'm not going to really play it. But I I really should because I love the world that Alien is in. So I should really do it, especially as you're playing as Ellen Ripley's daughter, Amanda. So I really should see that through and see what happens as she's on the search for her mother, who is cryogenically frozen and found many years later at the start of Aliens, as we all know. Um. But the other games I really enjoy here, or the ones that I would want to check out, Gotham Knights, definitely. It's a game that I poo-pooed immediately. But I love the Arkham Combat. And if it's a chance to be able to go in and give it a dive and give it a few hours and see if that combat system actually works or not, because it looked terrible when we were when we were seeing it back in the day, if I can try it for free and see what it's actually like, I'm well up for giving that a go. And finally, the last one is Far Changing Tides. This game looks sick. I've never even heard of it before. Literally never heard of it. And I went on and just looked at it. A few different like trailers and a few different things. It's reviewed super high. It's reviewed like 9 out of 10s. Like everywhere. And it looks incredible. It looks exactly like the kind of game that I'm really into in terms of these kind of really unique kind of indie games. So that's definitely one I'm going to check out 100%. In fact, I think that's the first one I'll check out on this list. And I definitely will put that on download and give that a go. So hopefully I'll have some opinions for you on the next episode. Because I think that'd be a fun game I can tick off over a weekend. But we'll we'll see how time kind of takes me and if I can pull myself away from Apex. And that's the big question. Now Spence, what about yourself? Anyone here that you're really keen on? Sure. So like you boys have said, Gotham Knights. I mean, 
come on. It'd be nice to try it, but I also think it's been on the game trials for a long time already and we haven't tried it. So will we really try it? I think it's a bit easier to access it when it's just part of the library rather than having a limited time. So you don't want to waste that time. So we might actually try it now, but I'm not too fussed, really. I think it'd be fun for maybe half hour, hour, but we already know it's not as good as the Arkham games, which to be fair are exceptional games. But Gotham Knights, I'm just not that keen for it. Not after everything we've seen. But I think it's worth giving it a go. And I'd be happy to do it with you boys. Uh, House of Ashes, I've not played Dark Pictures Anthology yet. Um, and as you're saying, David, this is the best one. And it doesn't really matter what order you do it. So this might be where I jump in. And sure, I know it's just down from there. But I might just play this one and not play the rest. Who knows? Or it might kind of get me in the habit of playing them every year with my girlfriend. That'd be quite nice. But yeah, I'd like to try that. Disco Elysium, I've heard fantastic things, but never even looked at the game. I know what it's about. I know you're a detective solving crimes and stuff. Um, I literally saw a video on it today, actually, um, about how it punishes you or kind of makes fun of you for playing it properly. See, it gives you the chance to mess about a lot. Uh, and there's copper types, they call them. So there's different archetypes of cop, which you can be. And if you play the game properly, it just says you're the boring cop and takes the piss out of you, which is quite fun. I like that they do that. And I'd like to give that game a go. Far changing tides, like you said, Davey, looks beautiful. Narrative driven game. I think it'd be really fun. Perfect little journey-esque game. I'd enjoy that. But other than that, Alien Isolation, I'd like to try. I don't think it'd be for me for the same reasons as why you haven't played it yet, Davey. But I like being scared. I've seen a lot of streamers play this game and they all poop their pants and i think i would probably do the same i think it's the game i would boot until i get one jump scare and then i uninstall and i never play it again and i just think yeah fuck that game but i think it'd be fun until i get that jump scare so that'd be it and elite dangerous and dead island i've finished dead island and i've played a good few hours of elite dangerous i don't need to touch those so that's fine for me but those games I've mentioned are the ones that stand out to me, the ones I'd like to give a go, but don't really have the time for. I'd tell you what would have been sick is if Alien Isolation had a VR mode. Can Bro, you imagine? No, I wouldn't. Can you... Oh. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Oh. It'd be something else, wouldn't. though, wouldn't it? Mate, going yeah, through... Yeah, oh, in, in the game that can't be mentioned, 8, going through that baby part in VR was literally shit my pants level scary if you got that for like an entire game your heart bro you wouldn't need to do cardio phil because you'd get in here and your heart rate would be right up you know you'd be good checking with your pt and he's like whoa you you've been off the charts phil absolutely off the charts <laughs> and literally all you are you're just you're grayer than you've ever been you've turned into gandalf the gray and you literally just got these massive things and he's like what you do and you just had that stare off as you remember your fight against the Balrog in uh, <laughs> when Frodo's in the bed. Where'd you go, Gandalf? <laughs> you just have one of those moments. <laughs> so yeah, that's my dream. Just put it in VR. Any scary game, put it in VR. Works so much better. Class. But never mind. That's true. I mean, I see your argument for VR. No. No, I wouldn't touch it with a... 10 foot pole mate I, I played layers of fear in vr for all of about 15 minutes 
and before anything scary even happened i deleted it and refunded the game i am not touching that terrifying but i do think i agree with what you boys said this is a fantastic list of games and if anyone wants something to tide them over before spider-man 2 any of these games will do it but this is a rumor we don't know if these are actually the games we're going to be getting hopefully they are because it is a strong list but we'll see and we'll let you know when it gets announced you'll hear it here not first but you'll hear it from here moving on i'm going to be coming around to yourself ssj davy and i want to hear your best impression of something you hear at a sporting event Okay, I got no real way of doing this other than doing it. Nuts! Get your nuts! That's the guy who sells the freaking uh, baseball game, sells the snacks. Yeah, they've got a name though. They're con- concession sellers or concession. Oh, oh, yeah, that's what could they're be. called. Yeah, Ooh. I think so. Might take a Google on that one. Quick news: Hideki Kamiya is leaving Platinum Games on October twelfth. Shinji Mikami will also be leaving Tango Gameworks, as we've previously reported on this show. So that means the directors of the game that Kami mentioned 1 and the game that Kami mentioned 2 have both announced leaving their studios in 2023. My question to you, lads, is what is going on? Absolute madness they've both gone. Now, just for added context here, Hideki Kamiya left Capcom to go and start Platinum in 2006 and under his stewardship they've released some absolute bangers a few duffs as well but some absolute bangers so him leaving platinum is a major blow to platinum games and now platinum games have kind of ebbed and flowed in terms of their relevance for a number of years now but it's pretty strange to think that both him and shinji mikami the two kind of masters in terms of the series that we hold so near and dear to our hearts have left what do you think last do you think this is all just kind of coincidence or do you think there's potential that we could be getting some brilliance out of this i'd like to say we're getting some brilliance out of it but really it just makes sense i mean platinum have done some great things especially a good like 10 years ago i think one for 101 when they released that was really good uh bayonetta obviously fantastic but then they kind of joined forces with Nintendo and released Bayonetta 2 and 3 exclusive for the Wii U and the Switch, respectively. Uh, and they did Babylon's Fall, uh, which stinky. So, I mean, they kind of fell off. They've not been making as much money as they used to because their games used to be kind of like niche hits where they were proper platinum fans. And now they're sticking more with actual IP with Bayonetta and such. And because it's a console exclusive, sure, Nintendo's paying them the big bucks, but I don't think it's as much as it, they could be earning elsewhere. And I think it just makes sense for him to leave, really, and go on to bigger and better things and not be tied to Nintendo, really, because that's all Platinum are at the moment, I would say, especially with their big games they've actually put money towards. I think it makes sense for this change, and hopefully it does lead on to better things. Maybe joins a new studio, maybe joins Media Molecule, and who knows? Could see some great little changes. Everyone just go in flooding to Media Molecule. If anything, we're just sending out CVs for them to join Media Molecule at this point. Just try and transform it into something relevant. Uh, that would be the absolute dream, wouldn't it? What about yourself, Mr. Hoy? How are you feeling about this? You're an old school game that can't be mentioned fan. These names ring a bell? Of course they do. And I'm kind of more interested because of the 
particular person we're referencing that has uh, put out this information because he is a big player in the resin oh oh baby i knew it was gonna happen let's hit let's hit the button Resident Evil, Resident Evil, Resident Evil, Resident Evil, Resident Evil. He's a big player in the Resident Evil space. He tweets pretty much primarily about Resident Evil. He doesn't shut up about Resident Evil. So there must be something going on. And I want to believe that something's going on because they are two big dicks in the Resident Evil world. And we want that series to shine. Now, having the opportunity of having the directors from RE1 and RE2 possibly, possibly returning to Capcom because they've left the studios, they've moved away from, to return to the motherhood, to the bosom of Capcom and come back and assist with a future game, be that whatever that possibly could be, RE9, Code Veronica, Outbreak, who knows where they're going, but oh my God. And it was worth a shot because I wanted to say Resident Evil. Spencer, I don't know how you feel about this, but normally when we're not drinking on the episode, you don't get that grace, right? I know what you, yeah. And I'm thinking he mentioned it about 15 times there. And I don't think we have to give 15 shots, but I think he at least deserves another one for just really taking the piss with it. I, I, I don't know about you, Spence. You're the king after all on these episodes. So I don't know I don't know what your rule says about this, but I'm not happy letting that slide. If this was my rule, it would be a very different kind of rule here. Yeah. The rule used to be you could say it until you took your shot. But there now, we go. There we, we go. Don't. And it was one instance of me saying it, wasn't it? And I think it deserved to be said because this is possibly, and I like to add some fuel to the fire could be big news for the future of the series. As much as I agree, I wouldn't agree with it being one instance because you took liberty with that. You said it as much as you physically could. I would agree 15 shots in the dark. Nah, two, two <laughs> shots, two shots. We ain't doing no 15, but two shots I'm happy with. This also sets a precedent for the future for us. If you say it, that's it. I'd, I'd say you're okay to say it again if it makes sense. In the but sentence. don't abuse. Yeah. Don't that abuse. definitely made sense to me. It was, out, and... it was outrageous. It was, out, it was outrageous. <laughs> it was outrageous. It was ludicrous. <laughs> it was the most said thing that whole time. <laughs> ludicrous. But yeah, I think that sets precedent for the future of the show. At least for my remaining rule, which is three further episodes beyond this. Got to bow down to the king. Bow down, baby. But yeah, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see what happens. The, the future is looking possibly very bright here with these two people coming together. If they are coming together, obviously, we're making a huge assumption here. And I suppose that's the thing. We'll just wait and see. And could it be something like a CV or anything else? Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Wait and see. Very interesting nonetheless. Phil, we're swinging it back around to yourself. I would like to hear your impression of something from a sports ground. Okay, and you've got to get the right name on this one. I don't want just some sort of description like we've been going for so far. I want the exact <laughs> name of this sound, okay? Boomzilla. Good old Boomzilla, bro. Trumpet. 
Is it Boo Boo Zaylaburra? Yeah, Spencer got it right. Trump Nailed Hello? it. Nailed Zaylaburra. it. It's the Voo Voo Sailor from the South African World Cup. I, I, That's I, where it was I mainly played, yes. I remember that. And thing. you see him at football grounds time to time, but I thought that was kind of an accurate representation of a Voo Voo Sailor. Congratulations, fans. Quick news. So we've got some huge news here, guys. Some ransomware group claims to have breached all Sony's group, okay? All of Sony's group. The group claims that they're planning to sell the stolen data. We have successfully compromised all of Sony systems. <laughs> the group claimed on both the clear and dark nets. I didn't see it on the dark now. I am assuming we saw this on Twitter. We won't ransom them. We'll just sell the data due to Sony not wanting to pay. Data is for sale. Now, this ransomware group, Ransomed VC, claimed to successfully breach Sony Group, and they're threatening to sell a cache of data stolen from the Japanese company. Now, guys, how do you feel about this hack? Because I dug a little deeper, and it doesn't seem to have a lot of sort of evidence for this, but they generally don't come out with too much, because usually the people that are the hackers they have some sort of history and these guys are story they have done a few notable hacks in the past but i also want to know from you guys what would someone be able to do with this data if they got their hands on it now i'm going to come over to davy on this one first what do you feel about this hack and what would you do if you had this data what would you be able to do <laughs> well i think we all remember if you're a ps3 owner the dark days of when we had the Sony network outage, which was which killed SOCOM. SOCOM was an absolute casualty in this entire thing. And sure, you know, many months later when the service came back online, we got a free selection of games from it, which was quite nice. As a little thank you for your patience. But it was grim. The PlayStation network was off for months. It was terrible. It was absolutely awful. And it felt like kind of PlayStation was over in a way. It was really grim. So I don't think anybody wants a repeat of that. And Sony definitely would not want that. Joe, I don't think this is... I don't think they got shit. I really don't think they got anything. Because nothing's happened. Normally, if you have something like this and there's a data hack go out, first thing is you get sent a push to change your passwords, right? Haven't had anything. Literally nothing. So I, I don't think they've actually got fuck. I really don't. I don't. I think this is way overblown. Like I could go on Twitter and say, "Ha ha ha! Just hacked Microsoft. <laughs> Pay me all your money." But you know, unless I unless I post receipts, <laughs> they ain't fucking bowing next, down. Next right? week on Xbox marks the box. <laughs> <laughs> Davey, I have hacked Microsoft. It'd be brilliant. Guest 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 host of the show, the hacker. We'll bring him on. You can talk about your hack. What have you hacked over on the Xbox side, Davey? I can talk about how I did it by pressing Windows AS. I don't know what that does, but hey, that's the hack buttons, I reckon. Anyone know what that does? Don't press it. You might hack into Microsoft. <laughs> I figured it out. There's nothing. <laughs> Not for you. You don't know. You don't know the secrets that I know. You gotta press a few spaces. It's like a cheat code. It's like a cheat code it is. It's like a couple of up, ups, downs. It's like when you see people hacking and they're just mashing the keyboard. It's that, basically. But you've got to press Windows AS first. Anyway, what I would do if I stole all this data is nick everyone's fucking credit card information. Easy. First thing you do, you go on, you've got all their names, you've got all their addresses, 
and you nickel the credit card information and you just sell that shit off. Done, right? But because we haven't been forced to, to actually change shit, they don't have that. They probably just got some random cookie information. They probably know what the trophy percentage rate is on some random ass game that no one plays anymore. And they're like, oh, fucking hell, what are we going to do with this? We got the quest for booty, fucking trophy percentages for Ratchet and Clank. And it's something like, right? Okay. And he's like, I'm going to post it on fucking Twitter and as you pay us. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> fucking post it then, you fucking quim. So no, I, I I'm not I'm not too worried about this, mate. But yeah, if I if I had this evil inclined uh, inclined nature, then yeah, just fucking absolutely rob everyone that's ever played on PlayStation. Done, easy. Charge them all one penny. No one will notice that. And then just put it under like the tag like Fortnite, so everyone thinks, oh, Fortnite just taking a little bit off me. That's fine. I love Fortnite. And you've just gotten away with you know millions and millions of pounds. But but what do I know? I'm not a, a world class hacker, or am I? No, no. Dave, no. Dave is definitely not putting you on a sucker list. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Don't know about you guys though. What would you do? And do you think coming over real? to use pants? Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, sure. So, I mean, with the data, what I would do if it is credit cards, I'd do exactly what Davey's done, which is just sell them off because there's no reason not to. You're making bank pennies on dollar, and I wouldn't do the Fortnite thing. I would say PlayStation Plus. Because everyone has it. Not everyone plays Fortnite. So that's what I would do. Uh, but in regards to the actual story of this, I kind of agree with Davey. It's not a repeat of the PS3 whole server going down and all that, which I got infamous for free from that. Very nice. And I completed that game. Great game. Lovely that. Took me three days to download, if I remember right. Because PS3 was slow. But... We're not going to get that again. And if we do, I wouldn't mind it, really. If it was maybe four days long and during the launch of Spider-Man 2. And then we get a free game out of it as well. That'd be great. And you can still get trophies because they sync locally. Fantastic time. Great time. They just pop when you're online. Great. But is that going to happen? No, they don't have diddly. They might have our names and our addresses. But I don't think they have our credit card information, which is really what matters. I think we're okay for the most part. I don't like that this has even happened because it's a shame and it's who we put our trust in, which is Sony, uh, who we talk about every bloody two weeks for the last two or three years. It's a shame when this happens and I don't like when people get hacked unless it's, you know, evil corporations. But this is Sony who... As far as I'm aware, quite okay, I think. I haven't looked into it. They make great games. They make fantastic games, boys. And some good Bravia TVs, I heard. And they make some good films. So I'm gutted this happened, but I really don't think it's anything too deep. I think we're okay for the foreseeable future. As long as it's not any personal data, because obviously there's a, a higher kind of intensity, I think, on the internet these days about sort of personal data going missing. We've seen some really high level kind of situations that have happened where companies have lost a lot of money. But if they were threatening to be able to sell that information, I'm not sure how much 
information really would would sort of bring on the sort of dark web i haven't been checking out the local costs of that you've been sort of referring to people adding to a sucker list where they sell you off the credit cards so people can start using them i don't really feel like there's a ton of information but they are claiming that they have compromised all of sony systems so it wouldn't just be one or two it feels like it could be a relatively big hack if it is to be believed but who knows obviously sony i think they're doing the right thing at the moment you never bow down to the hackers straight away because you are almost admitting defeat if you say right we're going to pay you out straight away you know they've got something important if you kind of brush it aside you kind of downplay it a little bit i feel like it's a little bit of a better standpoint to sort of fall back on but we'll we'll keep an eye on this one and see if anything comes out of it in the future because we are sort of working here with very limited information but that brings us back around spencer you're next up on the impression for what you might find at a sporting event so let's hear it this one davy hopefully should get but phil definitely will see ronaldo <laughs> Big old Ronaldo. Celebrating a goal. Celebrating a goal. Called a Sue. Everyone loves that one. Very famous celebration, that one at the minute. Quick news. So we've just kind of had some bad news about Sony. We're doubling down. We got some probably worse. No, hard to say where it stands, but some bad news. Also good news, I think. It's nice, but also... Bittersweet. Jim Ryan, big old Jimmy Ryan, is retiring from PlayStation next spring. Damn. Damn. He's been with Sony for 30 years and he's now retiring, which I think, big change for Sony, massive change for Sony. Nice for Jim. He's made a lot of money over the years and he's moving on. To, well, probably if I was him, I wouldn't move on to Diddley. I'd be off in the Maldives doing nothing, playing on my PS portal. But I don't know what he's going to be doing. Hopefully something better and bigger. Who knows? All the best for him. But in the meantime, Hiroki Totoki, that's a rhyming name, will become chairman of SIE in October 2023. And as of April 1st, 2024, he will be the interim CEO of SIE. So that's who we have in the meantime, whilst Jim is gone. Well, he's going to be gone forever, unless he gets bored. Who knows? But yeah, bittersweet news. Boys, I don't know how you took Jim Ryan announcing his retirement. I don't know if it hit you hard or if you felt like good for him. How did you feel? Do you know what? I felt really sad when Jim Ryan was going. And I know a lot of people have shit on Jim Ryan. But since his stewardship, we've done pretty well. I mean, the PS5 is the most successful console launch of, of Sony's kind of history. It's outselling or outpacing the PS4 in the same lifespan. It's doing pretty damn good. He's released good clipper games under stewardship. And I think the pivot into releasing more kind of live service games is a wise decision for Sony because we are lacking in the multiplayer front. I think it's all great vision moving forward. It makes sense why he's retiring. You know, he's at that age where it's a perfect time to retire. The PS5 is in a good spot right now. The plans are all set for the rest of this generation. So there isn't like huge decisions that need to be made right at this moment. When we're probably in the early stages of kind of grafting together what a PS6 looks like and what that can do. 
And so the new chairman is going to be able to step in and feel a bit comfortable with the plans already set before they start to enact their changes, which we're not going to see for years. Years away. I've just recently, in my in my line of work, gone through a big uh, leadership change up. And the results of that are something that you do not see for a while. And then slowly you start to see the culture change and you start to see the new direction kind of filter through. But it takes years to get that through and to kind of get the existing plans that are already there that were laid out to the rest of the, the stakeholders and the, and the shareholders and everyone else. You've got to see those plans through for whatever phase that is before then you can start building towards the next. And sure, you could take small little steps, but it doesn't happen overnight. This is a big ship. And so to be able to steer that, it takes a lot. So we're not going to see any real changes whatsoever for the rest of this generation, 100%. And it would just be interesting where the path kind of gets seeded now and where it leads as we move into the next generation. So in, say, two or three years, we'll start to see the steps that, the steps that Hiroki has taken to be able to move Sony in whichever direction he sees fit. But um, I feel glad for Jim. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, living over here in the UK and traveling to America all the time must take a lot out of you, especially on your family commitments. And things change. You know, you get to that age, at his age now, if he's still got parents alive, they're going to be elderly, so they're going to need care. Things change. And your life situation just dictates that you want to be there more for those around for you. And to have done 30 years in a company and worked your way up to the position he has, you don't get there by fluke. You know, you work your ass off to get there. So he's made a lot of sacrifices and now it's his time to be able to enjoy his time with his family. So well done, Jim. Well deserved. And uh, he did a fantastic job for us over on PlayStation. Uh, we'll have to see what Hiroki can bring to the table uh, when he steps in later on this month. Lovely. Well, Davey's kind of covered off everything. But Phil, how did this make you feel when you heard about this news? Well, I completely agree with David. I think, you know, it's a sound sort of decision. It seems to be the right time to go. And if he stayed on any later, I kind of feel like he'd be setting himself up for a potential fall, especially with the PS6. You know, there's a lot of risk there, isn't there? So far, he's had quite a good career over the time that he's been at PlayStation. And the grand old age, he's not that old, but he is 55, born in 1968, apparently Wikipedia is telling me, with a net worth of 250 50 million. I feel like he's done all right for the guy, right? So to move forward now, I, I kind of feel like it's the right time. And this wouldn't necessarily be 100% Jim's kind of decision here. This is gone from the board, from Jim. He's got to a stage in his life where things are comfortable. Sony's doing well. And as Davey said, you've got to start bringing new management in when there's a big change on the horizon. Okay, we're a little bit away from that uh, with the PS6, but He's going to need the time to bed himself in, influence the whole company, and then get his vision in place ready for the launch of the next console. I, I think it's perfect timing by Sony, and they haven't set him up for a fall, and he can go off, and we can look back on Jim's career and say, well done, Jim. Great time. Thanks. Thank you, Jim. Well, I completely agree with both you boys. I think it is bittersweet, but ultimately it's for the best. Uh, like you said, 55, 250 mil net worth. Fellas, clear. He's not got a care in the world. Sure, he's probably going to be reading about PlayStation every day, being like, what are they doing to my company? But I'm sure he's probably quite happy, and he probably is spending that time with his family, so it is nice. And it's a nice little end point for Jim's career. Well done, Jim. 
So I would like to ask you guys before you move on, when we think about now a change in management that's going to Sony, what would you ideally want from the vision moving forward from the company? Would you want it to kind of stay on path like it is at the moment? Or would you like to see a change in certain ways that they do business? Is there anything that's on your mind? I know it's a bit of an open question, but... Massively open question, my friend. Uh, I suppose the only thing I'd like to see them do uh, is just be more open to third parties because a lot of what they do is proprietary and they don't give you much room for choice. You kind of have to stick with the official stuff, which is fair, and I do it anyway, but it kind of means for the people who can't afford the official stuff, they have to fork out a lot. Uh, whereas it'd be nice if they could just pay their AirPods or something rather than fork out a nice expensive gaming headset that is compatible. It'd be nice to give those people that option. Uh, and I'd like to see them move towards that in the future, less proprietary stuff. But other than that, just make a new actual handheld, please, Sony. Just do that. That'd be fantastic. But that is probably all I'd really want to see. I like the path that PlayStation's going. I believe in it. And I'd like to see it flourish. Nice. What about yourself, Mr. Hoy? Got any thoughts? I kind of feel, though, if you are coming into this job, you are going to want to change things. You are going to be w wanting to be known for making a choice. You wouldn't just continue with the vision. The vision's great, but you would have to come in and bring something new to PlayStation. You wouldn't have been picked if you weren't going to be bringing something new to PlayStation. And I think, personally, something new for PlayStation really would be to be fully supporting cloud, going heavily onto the PlayStation portal side of things, as Spencer said, possibly the new handheld, and really putting some backing on VR. As much as I'm not a VR guy, I just think Sony has had two hardware systems out now, and neither of them have really realized the dream that we've been sold. Now, if the new CEO can come in, change things from the way Jim has sort of handled VR, he would then be known for that, for making that change. PlayStation's already on a high for the console. So he's got to do something supplemental to the system to improve the overall service that Sony brings out. And my personal opinion will be putting effort into cloud and into VR. I think that's a great idea. And especially now with the kind of the synergy that they have going on with PC, you know, with like future PC releases and stuff like that. Why can't you make the PSVR 2 work with the PC? I mean, there's just money to be made. The PC VR market is huge. So why not tap into that? Why seed that and have it locked to just a proprietary console? It doesn't make any sense to me. So that's a, that's a nice easy win. I think for me, guys, the big thing I'd like to see change is I think in the PS4 generation, we captured lightning in a bottle because PlayStation relied on kind of personalities we had we had conferences where you get the same kind of people that would go out every single time and just they would just become so synonymous with the brand and they'd come out they'd do a little presentation like you think about how when they were going up against the xbox uh xbox one and they were like how do you swap games and they just literally just had just a little funny video of just here we go here it is I think you just need to get these people back out there and stop being so kind of corporate in a way. Like, we, sure, we get the state of plays, we get the um, the showcases, right? And they're all kind of like Nintendo Direct styles where it's narrated and then maybe Jim Ryan would come on and speak a few words. But I think there was something really nice about them coming out on a stage show 
with different people that would just come out and and pitch the products that would then become synonymous that then you'd see they'd go on to like different podcasts or different tv shows or whatever it is and they would be the face of the brand they would add that kind of character into it and i think we're missing a lot of that from playstation now and missing kind of the transparency and the the kind of friendly vibe that the brand used to give off back in especially the late ps3 and early ps4 generation when they were really trying to regain up their market share and then it's just become a little bit too corporate for my taste i think I would quite like to see that become a little bit more personalized and a little dependent on some of these key players in Sony that right now, over the last few years, have taken a back seat. So I, w- I would really like to see that kind of change. I think we'll leave that there for the moment. Audience, this is something I would love to hear your opinion on. Write into the email psvtrust at gmail.com or reach out to us on the socials and let me know what would you like to see the future of PlayStation be under new leadership? Which direction do you want us to go? Where are our shortcomings? What can we do to improve? Write in, let us know, and it could feature as a topic on a future episode. But we'll leave that one there for now. Lovely stuff. Nice little shout out, mate. So yeah, that kind of wraps up our Jim Ryan talk. Good for him. Moving on better things. And hopefully a positive for the future of PlayStation. But moving on, come around to yourself, SSJ Davey. As always, let us hear your best impression of something at a sporting event. It's the horse racing. It is the horse racing. Yeah, it's a sporting event. Mm. Apparently, that's a sport. Quick news. They're horses, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the shortest jockey who can just not weigh the horse down enough? Let's just just chuck chuck a toddler on it. Strap a toddler on. Let the horse run wild. I'm sure it'll be fine. Quick news. Sony Pictures Core has arrived onto the PS5 and PS4 today. Now, for those that don't know, this is an entertainment app which gives PlayStation players exclusive benefits, including early access to select Sony Pictures films. And if you're a PlayStation Plus premium member, you'll get access to a created catalogue of up to 100 movies through the Sony Pictures Core app to stream on demand and a selection of titles from Crunchyroll as well. Now, guys... What do you think of this? Spence, you're a premium member, same as myself, so we can take advantage of this service. Have you had the pleasure of downloading it yet and checking it out? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. I haven't really been on my PS5 this past weekend other than for Call of Duty, like we mentioned. But it's definitely something I'm keen to download. It looks quite interesting. Uh, I love a good Sony movie. I'm sure Spider-Verse got to be on there. I mean, I have it on Blu-ray and it's on Netflix. But it's just another way to watch a fantastic film. So I'm down for this service. I'm definitely down for it. Crunchyroll, I pay for it anyway. If they've got one piece on there, cancelling that Crunchyroll subscription, and I'll be all Sony Pictures Core, baby. Episode 376 of One Piece. Let's get it. Mm. I think it's a nice little thing for us premium members just to give us a little bit back because we've been saying for a while now that, well, we said just recently with the price rises that premium isn't the best tier to be in. Now, I haven't checked out this service yet, but if I get on there and there's a good list of 100 titles that seem to flow in and out, that might be worth it, you know? It might be something decent. One of the, one of the ones on there is the game that can't be mentioned movie, Damnation, which we recently reviewed and had a good little time with. So instead of me buying it for $7.99, which I just recently had to do for us to do a review, I could have had it as part of my premium subscription, which would have been lovely. So I'm definitely going to check this out. I think it's a nice little sweetener to add to the mix. And who knows if this builds into something really, really 
core, then who knows? It could be a reason for me to keep premium. Now, Phil, what do you think about all this? You love all your streaming stuff. Is this something that would potentially push you into a premium membership? They had to do something, didn't they? You know, they're getting a lot of negative feedback because of all the price increases that we've covered on previous episodes of the show. If any of the viewers, listeners want to hear that, make sure to go back to previous episodes. I think the last two or three episodes we've we've talked about this price increase since it was announced. But to improve that value of the of the premium level and give you something that Sony has the power to give you this. They've always had the power to give you this. I was actually really surprised reading this that it's only coming now. Why why have they always delayed on this? You know, everyone's looking. As soon as Netflix came out, everyone was looking to start branching out. Back in the day when that came out, that was the one to have. And now there's millions upon millions of different streaming services that everyone seems to have to subscribe to the next one. Oh, I've got to have Disney Plus. I've got to have Amazon. I've got to have this. I've got to have that. And now Sony have got their own. Why has it taken so long for them to think, well, we could add some value here for that sort of higher echelon of the premium uh, subscription service and give you this added value? I think it's a no-brainer. And I don't understand why it's taken so long, but they have got some negative feedback and that's what they're they're trying to win you over with. So let's see what happens with it. I, I don't think it's going to win me over personally because it is quite a lot of money extra and... I don't think there's a lot on that service that really I would need. Um, of course, there's alternative ways to be able to get um, video these days. Not going to name any names, but, you know, with all these subscriptions going out at the moment, I think there's other ways to get this information from the internet. And it's getting far more popular these days because there's so many subscription methods out there. And this is just another one. The Bay. The Bay is really nice this time of year, isn't it? That's all I'm going to say. I've heard. I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, lovely. Lovely. Full of pirates. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Phil, move it about around to yourself. Okay, here we go. Is that tennis? Is that the sound of like a tennis volley? No. Close. Very oh, close. badminton. Spencer, my man, he's taken the round. And with that, you have won quick news. Congratulations, my friend. That was my impression of the badminton sound, of the racket hitting the cock. Quick news. So, guys, Horizon Forbidden West Complete Edition is coming to PC. In partnership with Nixa Software, the next part of Aloy's journey arrives early 2024. Now, is this really a surprise to anyone? I don't know. We've had a long list of first-party games coming from PlayStation to PC. Some better ported than others, I have to admit. Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition's over there. The Last of Us Part 1's over there. Miles Morales. Ratchet & Clank. Returnal. We've got a long list now of big seminal PlayStation 5 games that have made that transition, sorry, and PlayStation 4, before anyone pulls me up on that, moving over to PC. Now guys, as PlayStation loyalists, how do you feel about seeing these games, more and more increasing amounts, coming over to PC? Now I'm going to come to you first, Spence. How do you feel about this? Do you want to keep them under PlayStation or are you happy seeing them over on PC? Honestly, mate, I'm actually really happy to see him coming to PC. I mean, I was predominantly a PC player before the PS4, 
uh, well, the end of the PS4 generation, I only played on PC and Smash on my Wii U and Switch. But that was all I played. Um, and I never had the chance to play all these fantastic exclusives that we get on the PlayStation systems. And now people do get that chance, albeit not at launch. They are getting them late, other than, I think, Last of Us Part 1, but technically, come on. That game has been released three times now, so they deserve it at some point. But it's nice to get so many more people in the conversation and give more people a chance to play these games. And the beautiful thing is, is it's so smart because they're not getting them at launch. So if they play, say, God of War, and then the next God of War gets announced, they're going to be like, oh, fuck, I need a PS5 because they've actually been able to play the first game. And now that, well, the fourth, fifth, sixth, handhelds count the remake of god of war the retelling and kind of it's not even yeah it's hard to say but it gives people more incentive to join us on the ps5 i think it's really smart and i'm just glad more people can actually play these games completely agree now davy how are you feeling about this transition are you going to be getting your WASDs out and playing horizon over on your pc i certainly am not no in fact, I can't think of anything worse than actually doing a WASD for anything. Uh, I'm always, when I play on PC, back in the day when I played like AVP2 online, it would be the up, down, left, right buttons. The, the, the buttons that are designed for up, down, left, and right. You don't use them for anything else. It's movement, bro. What the fuck? Why use WASD? Can you imagine Aloy's combat with up, down, left, right? It'd be so bad. <laughs> you got all the you buttons definitely need a handset mate you've you got definitely need a handset you've got delete end and page down just on the top you know if you want to stretch your fingers out or if you want to go over to the side you've got access to one two three zero and dot bro you can make it work i used to make it work on avp maybe it's the new way of doing it is is it more reliable no but when you don't know where WASD is on the keyboard and you start hitting two and three and what else is below that? Uh, X. Colon, <laughs> whatever the I love fuck every time is. you're looking down at the keyboard. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I, mean, I don't know. But no, I'm not going to be playing uh, Horizon on PC. But i got to concur with what Spence said. What he's put down and picking up. I, I completely agree. I think this is the smartest strategy. And it's something that we've mentioned quite a few times before on the podcast. Is that this is the way to do it. Xbox have fucked up. Because if you're trying to shift units of your console, you don't put it everywhere else immediately. You just don't. It makes no sense, right? It literally makes no sense. Unless you're building a subscription service, which is what they're doing. So that's why that makes sense, right? For us, where they sell games and you buy a game for full price, why not launch it on there a year later? Or even later in this case. You know, Burning Shores came out earlier this year. And so by the time this comes out, it comes out as a complete collection where you've got Burning Shores and the main campaign. And they can also repackage it as like a kind of complete edition for PS5. So it's win-wins all round. You get to double dip for those people that haven't actually gone through and played that experience. And you get the PC crowd involved too. The big thing I'm hoping this time is that Nixus fucking smash it. Because for whatever reason, these games have launched buggy. They've launched totally fucked. And it's just inexcusable. And I feel sorry for the PC players then having to play a worse version of the PS5 version when their PC can easy run it. It just makes no sense. So I really hope that now Nixus have had even more experience in the porting game, that they're able to really nail it this time and put the best foot forward because you want to show the quality that PlayStation deliver. And if you're 
putting out your games and they don't work and they don't work properly for like months in some cases, you're going to lose that consumer confidence where someone thinks, oh my God, a new PlayStation game just hit the service. Whereas they won't think, I'm going to buy it day one. I'll, I'll buy it in a couple of months when it works. You know, it, it should it should be a case. It should just hit it out of the park straight away. And for whatever reason, Nexus has really been dropping the ball on it. So I hope that this is the start of what could be a fruitful endeavor for PlayStation where they really start making bank on it. Because when God of War went over, it, it charted really well. And it worked. Whereas like The Last of Us was fucked. Loads of these games have been fucked. And they just haven't had the the right push at launch. And you know what it's like. We always say the first impression is the one that counts. And if you come out and it doesn't work, you can't expect people to hang around when there's so much competition for what is a, a later game, you know? So, yeah, really happy with this overall, though. Yeah, I agree. And it's not great optically, is it, for PC players getting PlayStation games and then not living up to the the hype that they hear from this podcast every two weeks. Well, we'll have to see how this one goes over with Horizon Forbidden West because it is a, a beautiful game and it was my game of the year when it came out. That brings us on to the end of quick news. And Spencer, congratulations. You have won tonight's quiz. Davey, you gave us the impression of the hot dog seller and the sound from being at the races. Spencer, you were screaming at the ref and you sued us the same way Ronaldo does week in, week out. I gave you a Vuvuzela as well as a badminton racket hitting that shuttlecock, baby. But unfortunately, that means Davey, you are the loser of tonight's quiz with only the single point. I got two, Spencer, you got the three. So let's move this on to the rumour before we get to tonight's topic. Kick it! Wake up with a rumour and you don't want to go. You ask if it's confirmed, and they still say no. Yes, boys, listeners, that is correct. We are back with a rumor. So today, what we're going to be discussing, before we get into the big juicy topic of the show, little rumor, which might not mean much, but might mean a lot. Kojima. Mm. Kojima. I could hear Phil get erect when I said that. Kojima has posted a picture of him editing a PlayStation State of Play trailer. Does this mean a State of Play is happening soon? And why is he the fella editing it? What's he doing? Is it... What game could it be? What game could it be? <gasps> Lads, what do we think of this little juicer of a rumor? Juicer rumor. There we are. Mm. Phil, as a Kojima stan... I'm going to come across to you. What do you think this means and where could it lead? I'm sorry to let you down, but I think it means absolutely nothing. <gasps> Kojima is one for running the rumor mill. He absolutely loves this attention. He always puts stuff out and leaves little clues that lead nowhere. He also leaves some bigger clues that lead to some places. But this one just feels too damn obvious, man. He's literally put it as the title of the video and you can read it in the photo. This just feels like a blatant kind of 
just to get a little bit of more action over on Twitter. I think he's winding us all up as much as I would love it to be the next Death Stranding 2 trailer coming on the state of play. I would lose my shit if that happened. And I'm wearing the wrong t-shirt for it tonight. I cannot wait for Death Stranding. I'm eating it up. Anything Death Stranding 2. Cannot wait for it. But this, I genuinely feel like he's just playing us all. I really, really do. Okay, Kojima does put out a lot on social media. He's always got his crew around him, so he's always involving himself at every level. You'll see Kojima doing video editing. You'll see him sitting in front of a computer filled with code. I don't know what code he's doing, but he's sat in front of it. You'll see him sat in, in front of some visual studios at some point as well, right? He gets involved all the way through the creative process. But on this one, I just don't believe it. It's a black screen. We just see the heading state of play happening soon. I really don't believe it. I want to quash this one. I'm going to say no rumor. I'm going to put my neck on the line and I'm going to say no, no shot. Wow. Straight from, I don't know that expression. I can't think what the expression is. Straight from Phil's mouth. He's binning it off right away. Not a chance, he says. Davy. I would love to hear either your agreement or your rebuttal. Lay it down. I'm coming in with a straight up rebuttal on this. This is fucking obvious, boys. Yeah, he's definitely, he's, he's edited a trailer. Now, Kojima edits pretty much every trailer, I think, for any game he's worked on. He does them all, as far as I'm aware. And they always bang, right? A Kojima trailer always bangs. And it's always full of so much stuff that you can create an entire YouTube channel trying to unpick every single little Easter egg, every single reference. I remember when MGS5 was coming out and they had that that like that whale trailer. Do you remember that? The first kind of time that it was kind of teased, MGS5? And everyone was like, what the fuck is this? What is going on? And yeah, it was MGS5. Yeah, 100%. He's editing a State of Play trailer and it's going to be for Death Stranding 2. Easy as anything. Now, the reason why I'm so sure isn't just the fact that it's called a State of Play trailer, which Kojima's put up. It's because I think November's the time to do it. I think November is the perfect time because you've got the Game Awards. And spoiler alert, I don't think PlayStation going to show up. I think it's going to be fuck all from us at the Game Awards. I really do. We don't seem to have a precedent for showing up in large things. There may be a bit of an update maybe on the on some kind of Last of Us project. Something like that. But I can't really see there being a huge, huge thing there. Maybe one pop, but that's about it. And we don't really know what's in store for 2024. We know Helldivers. Don't know anything else. November would be a perfect time to be able to lay out what we've got coming out across 2024. Maybe see a little bit more of Marathon. Maybe see some more of the live service games that we saw, you know, months ago now at this point. And then to get some more kind of big hitters of what's coming out over 2024 and maybe if they feel generous the start of 2025 but i imagine that's where you're going to see ghost tsushima 2 that's where you're going to see death stranding 2 you're going to see some big hitters which put playstation back on the map when it comes to the christmas sales because spidey will have come and gone we've got nothing then to carry us over the holiday season nothing at all until we get to february and we get final fantasy and we get helldivers you need something to get the momentum going and if xbox have a strong connection with the game awards which they typically tend to do you need something to be able to break through and stand out so i think november is a perfect time to be able to kill it 
to set up the marathon that will be 2024. So yeah, I'm fully on board with this. I, I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on this one, lads. I think it's, it's obvious, but I think this one is just, it's literally written there. Isn't this why we have code names for releases, for videos, for trailers? He's literally posted a picture on his social media with the exact name State of Play trailer. Isn't that too obvious? Isn't that too just perfect, right? Surely it should have been, you know, something cryptic or something, you know, slightly related to Death Stranding. No, it's just the words within the trailer. It feels too obvious. And he posted it. It's not like someone else in the office just happened to walk past and he's in the back of the shot somewhere to the right or to the left, right at the back, the far back. And you have to zoom in and increase and increase and increase and then slowly put those pixels together to be able to see it. No, it's on his social media and it's the name. It just feels so sus to me. I'd be calling sus on him. I am calling sus on him. (laughs) You are, you are. You're, you're doubting the, the wisdom of, of Hideo Kojima. I think the thing is, is to get people talking, right? And could he be, with this trailer, obviously, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, of course, Death Stranding. But it could be anything. And I suppose that's where the beauty of it lies in terms of, could it potentially be MGS1 remake? Could it be the, the horror game that he's working on with Xbox that maybe it's going everywhere. It could, it could literally be anything that he's doing. Maybe a Zone of the Enders 3. Who knows? Obviously, I put my money on Death Stranding 2 at this point. But, um, but yeah, and I think, to be fair, when I first saw this, I thought you can barely fucking read it. Like, you can barely read it. If someone says it says State of Play, you can make out that says State of Play. But it could literally be anything written there. And it's so blurred, it's so fucked, that you could just presume anything from that. I think if you've thought of any three-letter, like, three, three-word sentence and just put it out there, you could probably make someone believe it. You know, it's not, it's not exactly like it's written there and it's, you know, fully legible. It is just a block of, of white blur. Okay, so let's ignore that for a second. Let's just examine the photo. So Kojima sat there in front of a black screen. So he's not giving anything more away, really, within the video. You can see it's an editor. And then you look at his chair. And this was uh, one of the main comments on the article that we're looking at. He's not doing a lot of editing sat there like that. Come on. He's not going to last very long. It feels like it's set up. Hey, don't knock the man. Maybe this is part of the creative process. You've got to just put your back out a little bit. I'm all about putting your back into work. And, uh, and that's exactly what he's doing here, mate. He's got that arse support, and maybe that's all you need. The rest of it, you put your back in, and that's how you get that 110%. Maybe this is why we're not as productive as we could be in work, Phil, because we've got these nice comfy chairs rather than something that if we sit out for longer than, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes, we get lumbar issues, you know? Maybe that's what it takes to be a genius. Right, we're split down the middle. I'm saying no, you're saying yes. We need a decider. Spencer, I know pretty much 99% you side with Davey. Let's see where you go this time. Right, well, I think he edits a lot in that seat. That seat is designed for your posture. That's all it is. Uh, There's nothing for you to lean against. So it's just a way to get your posture better. I think he sits there quite a lot. I think he puts a lot of time into editing in the seat. And I do think he's editing something special for us. I'm not convinced that it says state of play. I'm actually not convinced. It very well could. 
it's clearly three words and the first word's the longest second's the shortest it reads it very well could be state of play and it's probably the most believable thing it could be but i'm not 100 percent convinced i mm, it's really difficult to say but if i was swinging one way or the other i could i can't think of what else it could be so i would have to agree that it's a state of play and that he's doing it but i kind of i don't know i feel like there's something nagging me in the back of my head saying no it's something else it's something bigger but i i don't know what it could be but chances are it's state of play and he's editing up a trailer and if it was going to be anything for a state of play it's gonna be death stranding too surely but this might not even be for the next state of play it could be for a state of play in the future could be for another time could just be working on a trailer for to show next year could be for anything all we can see is pixels that we think say state of play there's no concrete anything here other than kojima's sat on a very uncomfortable seat that is all we know so i'm kind of in the middle of both of you unfortunately but if i had to agree with one it would be he's working on a trailer for state of play and that seems like kind of the popular opinion so i'm gonna have to agree with davy which obviously i do but there is something nagging me saying this is something else but i just couldn't tell you what so i have to just lie in what i know could be true could it just be a case right if you look at the picture without the zoom i could post that up and i wouldn't even think of magnifying on that fucking title who's the loser that goes in and thinks, I'm going to magnify that by 7,000 degrees and just have a quick little look, what does it say? Like, why? Like, I, I would post that up if I was him. He's like, a, you know, nearly a 60-year-old man. He probably just thought, ah, oh, cameras ain't that good. Just <laughs> just take a picture of me working and not think anything more of it. You, am I blocking the screen? Yeah, you're blocking the screen. I can't see fuck. And then someone just does like this fucking massive magnification where this plant looks about like 75 foot tall and then you can read it. I, I think it's just been a bit of an oversight. I'm a massive fan of Kojima, as you've alluded to. I follow him on all platforms and I see a lot of his photography that he puts out. Every time he's traveling, he's got a massive SLR camera, Sony camera that he tours the world with and he's taking quality shots. Why post this? There's nothing interesting about this shot, okay? He's just sat on a shit-looking seat. He's got some really nice trainers, which I actually have the same trainers. I am that much of a fan. But there's nothing special about this photo until you do that magnification and you see the name on there. It just feels too set up. And I just think it's just classic Kojima at the end of the day. That's how I feel about it. There's nothing else redeeming in that photo. That Why post it otherwise? If it's just nothing, why post it, right? He's obviously doing it to either get us talking and just churn the rumour mill, stir the shit a little bit more, as he loves to do, or it is genuine. Which I don't feel he's, he's got caught off here and he's just posting and going, oh, damn, they've seen it. Come on. It's not even a good photo, is it? No, it's not the best. And it's got us talking. And I suppose that's probably the end result, right? The, we get to see that Kojima's in his element. He's on the editor. So something good's coming, and and that's enough. 
and then we just wait and see for the magic to happen. But yeah, interesting nonetheless, even if that chair is sus. Yeah, that chair is ridiculous, but also smart. And he's probably sat down a lot working on stuff, so it's nice that he's working on his posture. But ultimately, who knows what he's working on. Could be anything. You've just heard of our opinions and what we'd like him to be working on. But it's a rumour, end of the day. And we've all said where we lie. That's the way it goes. Lads, with that being done, let's move very swiftly into the topic. Stop! Topic time! And here we are at the topic, and we have got an absolute juicer for you today. We are going to be talking about some layoffs that are impacting Sony's dual in the whole studio network, which is, of course, Naughty Dog. This is an article from Kotaku. Now, Kotaku are a piece of shit. I actually fucking hate Kotaku, but they've actually done a piece of work here, which I can't believe it. Normally, it's just hit pieces and random bollocks, but it turns out they've actually done a bit of journalistic work for once. So I'm going to honor that by stealing a part of their article and reading it out for you guys. Now, of course, I will have a link to the article in the description of the show, so I would normally say go on and give them a click through, but it's Kotaku, and the sooner they get the fuck out of this space, the better for me as far as I'm concerned. But this is not a hit on Kotaku, this is an article, so let's go into it. Kotaku has learned that the maker of hits like Uncharted 4 or Thief's End and Last of Us Part 2 has begun cutting contracts short for dozens of workers. Layoffs were communicated internally at the Santa Monica, California-based studio last week. According to two sources familiar with the situation, departments ranging from art to production were impacted, but the majority of those laid off worked in quality assurance testing. The sources said at least 25 developers were part of the downsizing. Full-time staff do not appear to have been part of the cuts. Naughty Dog's headcount was over 400 as of July. Now, sources tell Gotaku that no severance has been offered for those currently laid off and that impacted developers, as well as remaining employees, are being pressured to keep the news quiet. Their contracts won't be officially terminated until the end of October and they'll be expected to work through the rest of the month. Sony did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Now, the article goes on to say that despite hit ratings for the recent HBO adaption of The Last of Us, a multiplayer spin-off for the zombie shooter based on the first game's factions mode has struggled in development. Bloomberg reported in June that Sony had diverted resources away from the project following a negative internal review by Bungie, the recently acquired life service powerhouse behind Destiny 2. One source now tells Kotaku that the multiplayer game, while not completely cancelled, is basically on ice at this point. Well, lads, actually a bit of good journalistic work from Kotaku, so praise there for that. What are your thoughts on all this, guys? Now, Spence, I'm going to come across to you first because you are a Last of Us fanatic, you are a massive fan, and you actually stuck with the Factions multiplayer mode to earn that coveted trophy, that PlayStation Platinum that you earned from this game. What do you feel about all this? Give me your thoughts. Well, I mean, it's just horrible news. And it's not something you want to hear about one of your favorite studios. It is not nice. And the fact that they're expecting these people to keep working through October, telling them you're not getting a severance and you're gone at the end of the month, ridiculous. If I was one of those contracted employees, I would walk straight through the door. I mean, I wouldn't. You're getting, you know, you may as well earn some money before you go. But I would sit there and do diddly for that month i would not do a thing and i wouldn't blame them if they don't it is horrible for them to just pull the rug under them like this no severance no nothing 
and it's it's just not what you want. I mean, all this news about factions uh, being on ice and stuff, it's probably been on ice for a while. I mean, it's it was supposed to come out with Last of Us Part 2 in like 2018, 19, 2019, and never happened and got delayed, 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 apology, delayed, delayed, to the point where it became a rumor of a game. And it is ridiculous that it's got to that point. And it's just not something I'm really expecting to see even happen at this point. I ended up, I hated factions when I first played it, hated it. And I was forced to play it for about 20 hours for the Platinum. And by the end of it, I walked away from that game mode really enjoying it. I actually got into it, got into the systems and how it works and how the multiplayer functions. And once you get a good grasp of it, it's actually really good. It was I walked away from it really enjoying my time with factions and not regretting that platinum at all. A lot of work, but it's my favorite game of all time. So I'm really glad I earned it and I'm working towards part one right now. So it's nice and it's just really not what you want to see from probably your favorite developer because they probably are my favorite developer and it's well they're not my favorite developer but they make some of my favorite games it's just horrible absolutely horrible news we hear about layoffs all the time but even then usually there's a bit of you know sympathizing and stuff behind it this just seems like they were axed just cut in the worst way possible and it's horrible to hear about it so naughty dog my opinion of you has soured a little so you better come swinging with something good because that is awful news and it's weird as well seeing as they've been hiring for a long time but i suppose that's for their full-term staff so it's just not something i really want to see and bungie coming in and saying factions is dead all that i don't know what people expected People were saying we're going to hear about factions for years now, and we never have, except for an apology from Naughty Dog once, and that is it, really. It's Naughty Dog's in a bad place at the minute, and I can't see it improving until part three or a different game, whatever they need to do. But at the minute, they are in the gutter, and this is not going to help people's opinion of them. Okay, quite a lot there. Very negative as well. What about yourself, Mr. Hoy? How are you feeling about this? You never like to hear about people losing their jobs. But I'm interested in the language Kotaku use here, okay? They're saying, The PlayStation first-party studio behind Uncharted and The Last of Us Part 2 is laying off dozens, and this is the key word, contractors, okay? And then they go on to mention that full-time staff do not appear to have been cut, okay? So that, that's super important. That's the bit I've honed in on, right? Now, this feels, this article, feels like it's a bit of a, a something of nothing. It feels like they're trying to make a mountain out of a molehill here. Now, do contractors normally get severance pay? Now, I've never worked in the video games industry, but I've worked in tech companies, and normally, a company would have a clause in a contract. Now, if they need to get rid of said contractor, they could do that early, okay? And, that, and that's kind of standard practice, okay? That's the contract you've signed to work for the company. And you understand that's always a possibility. So you're never really expecting severance pay here. Now, I think Kotaku have just pulled that in there to pull the heartstrings a little bit. Because we hear about people getting sacked 
People getting moved on from video games industries all the time, and they're trying to build a story here. Now, you've connected it in your brain spans to the news about factions. And and that's probably the obvious thing. I think a lot of people on Twitter, I'm seeing the outrage. They've, they've connected the two there. Now, I personally don't feel like getting rid of a couple of contractors, regardless of how many, really matters too much to the news on factions. I really don't. I think there's two separate stories here, personally. But I think they've just happened to get rid of some contractors and we're hearing the fallout. And they're like, oh, they're getting rid of people, fire and brimstone, everything's going wrong at Naughty Dog. I don't think so. I really genuinely don't feel as as bad as you do, Spence, about all this. Now, I never like to hear about people losing their job. And it's always kind of a terrible stance as soon as people are put in that area and they lose money, they lose their livelihood, they lose the dream job at you know, the video game company that they've always wanted to work at. But I think this is standard practice. I genuinely do. I've got to come in slightly different to you guys, but more along the same line as Phil, in that the thing is, you bang on, Phil, when it comes to contractors. They're not, you're going to be on a timescale generally, or if not, it would be specified for like a project, right? And you're quite right. We got contractors in my work, and it's a case of as soon as that job's done or as soon as that job they're not needed anymore, gone. You're not offered any any chance to be able to get any additional pay. And a lot of the time, these contractors are working as part of like a sub-company, which they then contract into. So then they just move on to a different project. So they still keep their job, but they're not working for that company. Now, this could be different. They could be just, you know, dayers who come in and, you know, they're just, you know, doing it for a set number of months or a set project. And that's it. And then bye-bye-bye. And the, the hope is that they'd make an impression and get on to be permanent members of staff right and that's kind of the that's the unfortunate song and dance of the video game industry as well as many other industries is that you try and make a good impression so you can try and hang around and become permanent it's the way it is it's not really a big deal the thing for me that i'm focusing on this is this is the qa team the quality assurance now your quality assurance should be a part of a product at every single stage, right? So you want your QA team to be there from the very inception of a project right until the very end. But when you're talking about the contractors that would do the QA, that's for the people that generally you'd bring on when you're doing a lot of testing. We do a lot of testing on a project to make sure how it's working. Is everything running the way it should do? Is there bugs? Is there, is there this? Is there that? Are they able to read the map design properly? That kind of thing, right? Now, for me, I'm tying the dots very much in with factions in terms of, and this is where I differ from you, Phil, in as much as I think that that Bungie report held a lot of weight. And I think that they came in, they looked at what Naughty Dog had done, who are primarily a single-player-focused studio that do have experience in the multiplayer realm. However, their multiplayer offerings are very much a case of they're tied to a game and that they don't really grow outside of that. So they're not trying to keep longevity for the longest time ever. They're kind of supplemental modes that run alongside the main hit piece. If you think about the way that Uncharted uh, 2 and 3's multiplayer worked, and the same with The Last of Us's multiplayer works. Great modes in their own right. They had their own very, very dedicated communities, which ran for years. But they're not exactly the same thing as, like, say, I don't know, like a Fortnite or an Apex or, you know, any of these other live service games. And when Bungie come in and they they look at this and PlayStation's whole focus has been on creating live service games and this kind of value retention that you keep from your players, if they come in and Bungie just fucking know this place really well, 
And they say, look, you've done a great game here, Noi Dog. But it's not it's not got a way to monetize content efficiently. It's not got systems that are in keeping with what a live service game needs to do today to be able to grow and find a larger audience outside of your core. That's going to hold a lot of weight. And this, this is why the studio got bought. This is why Bungie got bought. The, sure, Destiny is important, but that's not the big thing that they add. They add that expertise in a field that Sony does not have. And so if they come in and they put a report out that says, actually, it's great, you know, it runs great, the game's fantastic to play, but it's not enough. At that point, you've got to take it back to brass tacks. You've got to do a lot of work to be able to then remodel that entire game to be able to make it fit within what Bungie, say, have recommended. And at that point, do you need these testers on a project for something that needs to go all the way back? No, you don't. So you bin them off and then you'll look at replacing them when you get to that same part in that project later on. And that's what I believe has happened here. I believe it's clear cut as that. And I could be reading the tea leaves and reading this completely wrong, but that makes perfect sense to me. And I think that ultimately, would I like to see a multiplayer game that comes out and has a small dedicated fan base, but doesn't make much of a sting uh, everywhere else? For The Last of Us, no. For Helldivers, yeah, fine. Because it's it's not that same kind of IP. This is The Last of Us, and this thing now has been built up for quite a lot. It's got a lot of hype behind it. You need to come out and this really needs to swing, and this needs to be a hit. It needs to. And if that means that <clears throat> you know, Naughty Dog has to take it back to formula and you know really work on it from the ground up again, and it comes out in two more years' time, but it works properly and it's everything they want it to be, I'd much prefer that than them go out and launch something that's just a little spit in the pan and doesn't build into anything more. And I think with a studio like Naughty Dog, you know that they will do the damnedest to to launch a great product. And I think sometimes you've got to have the balls to say that, okay, we didn't know. You know, we've tried, we've gone in a way, it hasn't worked out, let's take it back. And, and I think that's what's happened here. And personally, I'm 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 really grateful for that. But uh, yeah, sorry, Spencer, not mean to shit on your parade. It feels like both of us have just come in and you know laid you out for one two punch here. But not meaning to do that at all. I, I don't know if anything that me and Phil have said here has kind of changed your perception a little bit, or are you still feeling the same as you were before? Um, a little bit, I suppose, because obviously I'm new to the corporate world. I suppose as an individual, so I'm not too informed on co- uh, contracted workers, but. Everything you guys have said made sense. It does all make sense. Uh, I do kind of just stand by that factions is going to be ropes for a while. Uh, and it's been hyped up too long. It's basically doing a cyberpunk. And obviously, if this is what they need to do to get it to where that game can be, fair enough. But I'm still not really particularly happy about the way this has gone. I'm sure it is probably Kotaku has kind of worded it in a way. Makes it seem worse than it is, like you said, Phil. Um, but still, I still like seeing people lose their jobs. I mean, I don't want to lose mine. I know how I'd feel. I'd feel horrible. So it's just the way it goes. I'm sure they probably have are going to move on to something very soon. Uh, if not, get rehired when it comes back to that stage, like you said, Davy. But again, we are kind of just throwing out opinions. We don't know exactly what has taken place. Whether it is actually linked to factions, um, it could just be. A horrible thing of people losing their jobs it could be that it is all related 
I'd like to believe it's related and it's not the end of the world for anyone. But ultimately, we're never going to know unless they actually confirm that. So, yeah, you guys have informed me and I do agree with you boys. But it is still a shame. And I think this raises uh, a great a great thing that we seem to really harp on on this podcast about. And it's about that journalistic integrity. Now, I started off by saying how much I really enjoyed uh, Kotaku doing a bit of digging on this. And I do appreciate that. But I think what you said, Phil, is totally bang on, is that the spin on this into something that it isn't is absolutely wild. And that's why Kotaku really just needs to eat a dick, to be honest, because they always just try to push some random bollocks that isn't even applicable in this. Like, they, they worded it in there about, like, how they're not supposed to speak about it. No, it's a fucking in-project project. Like, why would you want people going out and being like, oh, yeah, they're working on this X, Y, and Z. You get them signed an NDA. Of course you fucking do. Because they're coming in to work on a project that's not even finished. It's like the amount of, like, leaps in logic that are in this article. And as much as I appreciate them doing the the reaching out and saying that this has happened and that they're going out there so we can then from that formulate an opinion on what potentially could be going on. That's great. They've done that work. But then putting in these little nuggets of shit in the middle of the article just so they can get people riled up on Twitter or against them is again just another one of these moments where these people just need to get out of their own fucking ass because it's just so annoying, especially when you can just see that this is nothing out of line. I, I think you're totally bang on with that, Phil. I've reread this a couple of times when I was sort of forming my opinion on it. And I think the deeper you go into this article, the more farcical it becomes. Because each paragraph just jumps around to other things just to make you think the situation's worse. They go off and start talking about other companies that have lost millions of staff. And that might be a genuine purpose there, where they've actually lost staff because the studio has gone downhill. They reference loads of different things that have happened in the past. And it's like forcing you down this route and yes if you just read it on the face of things you would think shit is really hitting the fan over in naughty dog but i think yes you've just got to take a step back when you read kotaku and just try and think about things for yourself rather than just fully believing the article and and maybe that's what we've kind of done a little bit here but at the same time you just need to be a little bit objective with it and just concentrate on some of the wording that's in there contractors full-time staff that's the important stuff all the other bullshit about other companies losing employees losing this losing that losing loads of money on games none of that is relevant they're just forcing you down a track and making you believe that shit's going down at naughty dog where actually probably isn't really well said mate really really well said audience i would love to know your thoughts on this and i suppose this is also a good thing to ask do you actually read Kotaku? Does anyone visit this website anymore? How this website is still going is beyond me. Honestly, I do not understand it. Absolute fucking rag. Let me know your thoughts on this whole thing. Is this something for us to be worried about with Naughty Dog? Is it time for them to shit and get off the pot? Or is it a case of just keep cooking and see what see what they're going to cook up a storm for you? Let me know. Write into the email psweTrust at gmail.com or reach out to us on the socials at in psweTrust at Twitter is the best one to interact with us as a show. And that has been it for episode 77 of In PS We Trust, a PlayStation podcast. It's been an absolute journey 
with you boys today. I feel like we stopped off at many destinations along this long, winding route that we call the PlayStation Nation, and I've enjoyed every single location that we've visited today, lads. You've made each sunset that much more beautiful than the one before. <laughs> He's on a madness, isn't he? <laughs> For fuck's sake. Now, audience, if you agree with me, if you've enjoyed being strapped in for this roller coaster of a journey, then there's a couple of ways you can support us as a show. The first, you can, of course, give it a like, give it a subscribe if you're on YouTube. I really, really appreciate that. We started off the show, we said it a few times, we're on the grind for 200. So we're 10 away. Just go on, give it a like, give it a sub. It really does help us, it costs you nothing, and it means the world to us, it really does. If you're on Spotify, Apple, any of these other podcast services, then, of course, the best way is to put a rating. We are looking for five stars, but just be honest. Let us know your thoughts. Who's your favorite host? That always uh, creates a nice bit of tension for us when we're all arguing amongst each other who wrote that review. Um, <clears throat> that's always a good time as well. But more importantly than anything else, share it around. Anyone you think that could enjoy the show, that's into PlayStation, into Xbox, into PC, whatever, chuck it on. Let them know. We try and be open to everyone, even you Xbox scum. We love you all the same. <laughs> I jest. But that has been episode 77. I'm Davey. I've been Hideo Kojima. And I've been Spence. Take care, guys. Peace. In PS We Trust is hosted by Davey, Phil, and Spencer. You can write into the show via our email, pswetrust at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at inpswetrust. To find each of us online, follow our Twitters at ssjdavy, at philiphoy, at spenpie underscore. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See ya.